Welcome back to the Logan and Jake Take Podcast. <laughs> I am your host, Jake. I am your host, Logan. And we have a wondrous episode for you all today. We have some very, very exciting guests joining us. Uh, Logan, tell the people who I was fortunate enough to sit down with for today's podcast. So, as everyone knows, a couple of weeks ago, we sat down with Al Tempo Thomas of Hawkeye and Black Lightning fame, and we discussed all things nerdy and what it was like filming Marvel's Hawkeye. This week, you were fortunate enough to sit down with her once again, as well as the rest of the LARPers from Marvel's Hawkeye. That's right. We're doing big things. We're out right. here. That's right. We are being joined by, I believe, every LARPer. Every LARPer. Every LARPer. Um, and you guys are going to love that. That's going to be in a later segment. So, uh, Unfortunately, I was not able to sit down. I had prior engagements and various other meetings I had to go to. But so hopefully um, I asked some relevant and interesting questions and we, we had a good follow up discussion. I think I think that the discussion is going to be something you guys are going to enjoy listening to. Um, but before we get to that segment, um, Logan and I have um, a couple of exciting announcements or at least one exciting announcement. Um, Logan. What was it that you told me today that uh, was a brilliant idea that you had? Oh! <laughs> that I think is just so brilliant, we need to go ahead and let the people know. I'm not even going to lie. Like, for a split second, I was like, I have no idea what you're talking <laughs> about. Why did you put me on the spot? But no, uh, as we've told, I think we've mentioned it on here before, and I know that we've mentioned it to some, to some friends we know in public. Uh, we're working on getting a YouTube channel started to where we might have uh, the video versions of these podcasts. But we're working on a, uh, a, 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 sh- a series of sorts called Logan and, the <laughs> Logan and Jake's Takeout. We're basically, we just, we just, we just review food that we eat. Uh, yeah, just anyone gonna... <laughs> who knows us knows that we, we watch a lot of movies, but the other thing that we do is we eat food. We eat a lot of food. We eat a lot of food. Uh, and so we're going to start um, doing short uh, video reviews of the food that we eat. Um, we're going to go around and get some takeout. Uh, we'll try some different things, try some familiar things, and sometimes it'll just be us, uh, you know, reviewing whatever we felt like eating that day. Um, but stick around for that. It's going to be awesome. Um, Logan, anything interesting or exciting to report this week before we dive into our film review that we have lined up for the week? Uh, I'm not going to lie. I completely spaced out for a second. Uh, I was, repeat what you just said. I was just asking if anything interesting, uh, you see, you saw anything interesting, watch anything interesting, anything interesting happened. Okay. Um, well, I'm I'm not going to going to bear the lead because we're going to talk about what we both saw together in a little bit but uh saw jackass forever it if you like jackass you'll love this movie i'm just going to say that right now um it's it's so i watched a lot of jackass when i was a kid like i think a lot of people our age did it's very weird watching people who are kind of like childhood heroes because they did the most off the wall goofy shit of all time still do 
doing it at the age they are now. Because I want to say most of them are in like their mid to late 40s or 50s or something like that. And it's still as hilarious as it was 10, 15, 20 years ago. But it, honestly, it's kind of scary seeing them do some of the stuff. Like, Johnny Knoxville does the whole bull bit where he gets tossed into the air by the bull. And this time, he lands, like, super hard. Like, he hits the ground, smacks his head on the ground. They have to call an ambulance. He gets taken away. It cuts to, like, a couple of days later. He's, like, in a neck brace and wheelchair. I want to say he had, like, a huge concussion or, like, a like a brain hemorrhage or something like that filming that. So, it, I like the fact that they added new, younger talent so that it's kind of like a passing of the torch thing. And there's even a scene where uh, Chris Pontius of Wild Boys fame uh, has all of the new people up and he's just like dancing around singing like, ha 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 ha, you guys drew the short straw. We're not going to do this because we're way too old to be doing a lot of this crazy shit. And we made <laughs> our dudes. And I was like, yeah, y'all are really too old to be doing a lot of this. At one, you see it in the trailer. At one point, Johnny Knoxville is in a cannon and they like, lifted up like crazy high that the angle that it shot at and they literally just shoot him out of the air and he's he's flying he's got wings and everything and then he just crashes into the water and he was like johnny knoxville in the movie was like it was like taking a uh high-powered colonic going 45 miles an hour straight <laughs> up my ass and i was like holy crap i don't understand how they didn't Although, I will say that I feel like the most dangerous thing they did, uh, outside of of Knoxville getting like tossed around by a bull, and you see this one in the trailer also, uh, the, the dude from the trailer, and I can't remember everybody's name, I think it's Aaron, um, he's tied to the chair and they cover him with like honey and salmon, and then they like bring in the bear that's on a chain. And at one point, it looks like the bear is about to like bite his hand or his face. So the trainer is like, oh, no, that's not good. I need to get in there. And I was like, this almost turned into a snuff film. Ah. But over, overall, if you like that sort of humor, it is worth watching, especially if you're a huge fan of Jackass, if you enjoyed the other three movies. Uh, I feel like you need to watch it. So we need yeah. to go and watch that stuff together because – the only downside is when I watched it, I was in the movie theater by myself. Yeah, I would really like to watch. I might try to get that. Might try to watch that uh, maybe Thursday. Yeah, um, I need. I definitely would like to watch that. Uh, I did enjoy the other Jackass movies. I enjoyed the TV series when I was younger. Um, it was one of those things that I always wished I had the courage to do myself because it was just so funny. Um, and it looked like, despite how painful that stuff was. Those guys had a ton of fun doing it. Yeah. Um, oh, there's also a really nice, uh, tiny tribute to Ryan Dunn at the end of the movie, which I thought was really nice. Nice. Uh, this week, I um, this week was a strange one. Um, my mother was in the hospital for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. She's she's out now. She's she's doing better, but um, there was just a lot going on. I didn't get a chance to watch a whole lot, but there were a couple of things I wanted to talk about. Um, ironically, given last week and how we talked about Elvis, these are both Elvis related. One, Savannah and I watched on Amazon Prime, um, Elvis and Nixon, the, uh, <laughs> the 2016 
um, film that was inspired by a true story, uh, starring Michael Shannon as Elvis. Such strange such, casting. Such, uh, and um, Kevin Spacey <laughs> as Richard Nixon. So one problematic, problematic actor playing a problematic <laughs> individual. Um, Colin Hanks is in it. Evan Peters is in it. Johnny Knoxville, though, plays uh, Sonny West, one of Elvis's close friends who was with him at the White House. Um, it, it, it is hilarious. And um, for those who don't know, um, in 1970, <laughs> Elvis uh, kind of like literally just went to Washington, D.C. with the intention of trying to get... Um, a badge so that he could become a quote unquote federal agent at large. And the story's funny. And then, you know, depending on who you talk to, uh, they say Elvis was drug addled and things like that. I don't know that that was actually the case at that particular point in time. I think Elvis as goofy as the story sounds, maybe this is a guy who's sort of gone off script a little bit because he's been Elvis for so long at this point. And he doesn't really know how the world (laughs) works anymore, but like, he really truly did, I think, think that he was, uh, he, he was sincere in wanting to help uh, get, he, he was concerned that rock and roll was being uh, sort of hijacked by the counterculture, specifically by people who were advocating drugs. He really did believe that like groups like the Beatles, he didn't think this at first, but by the time 1970 rolled around, he thought like, you know, that was right around the time that the Beatles um, were really, they were having their own troubles, you know, as a band. Mm-hmm. But that was around the time that he thought their music was promoting drug use. Um, he was very disturbed by everything that happened in Vietnam and the reaction to the soldiers when they came home from Vietnam. He was very disturbed about a lot of stuff going on in the country. And he thought, one of the things I can do as Elvis Presley is I know a lot of these musicians. I know a lot of these people. Uh, He was deeply concerned about communism. And he was, and he knew people in the entertainment business who were communist. And he thought that he could be a, what's called a federal agent at large, uh, which is not really a, well, it kind of was a thing, but like not really. And, he basically wanted to pitch this to somebody in Washington. Now, I don't think his intention originally was to go to the president, but that's what he ended up doing. He went to the White House and wrote a letter. He gave a letter to the guard at the gate at the White House, which eventually did make its way to President Nixon that said, uh, I want to help. This is what I'm afraid is happening. I want to use my influence because no one would ever think of me as an undercover agent. It's so crazy that it just might work. That was his pitch. Uh, They did have this sort of historic and hilarious meeting. um, And the movie's very funny. Michael Shannon is great, uh, even though that's not someone you would expect to play Elvis. Michael Shannon does a great job. Um, Kevin Spacey, again, problematic person. He does a great job as Richard Nixon. Like, scary good, actually. Um, And it's just... It's a slightly exaggerated version of what happened, but from what I understand, the basics of it are very accurate. Elvis and Nixon, um, Nixon doesn't know what to make of Elvis, Elvis doesn't know what to make of Nixon, but they leave that meeting good friends. Um, they, they did agree on a lot of things. Um, 
about, you know, what they were concerned about, like drugs and stuff like that. Um, it, it's pretty funny because the end of the movie, it's like, a, it's like, of course, you know, three, three, whatever it was, three years later, four years later, Nixon resigned. Uh, both of the aides that are featured heavily in this movie that set up the meeting played by Colin Hanks and Evan Peters were arrested and served jail time for Watergate. Uh, of course, Elvis passed away in 1977. Um, but the communist one. But uh, and the communist one. You know what I mean? <laughs> but no, and, and you can definitely see, you know, both sides of that equation. I think that the, you you could, if you come from a more um, liberal persuasion, you could watch the movie and say, "Wow, there's something to be said about two powerful." white guys being afraid of the counterculture movement. But if you're more conservative, you could watch it and say, there are actually some valid points here. Like it is true that in the late seventies and in the eighties, there was a lot of uh, drug use that damaged the reputation of rock and roll. And I do think that Elvis came from a simpler time where his music was not about those things. And I do, he's at this point, he's what, and like he's up in his thirties now. He's mm. not, he, he's kind of changed into the person that they were, you know, like when he first came along, they're like, Hey, you know, he, he's, he's the devil moving his hips and all this kind of stuff. And it sort of got to a point where now he's like, all these people coming behind me, they're the, de- yeah. <laughs> they're the devil. Well, that's what I was you about know. to say. Like it, like it, 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 and it's like this for, every generation in anything yeah. you want to talk about, there's always going to be the older generation who paved the way for a lot of the newer stuff to come along. And they'll see the younger generation doing stuff that they're just like, no, this they wouldn't have done. And this so. isn't what, this isn't what this is supposed to be about. We wouldn't have done things this way. Instead of looking at it as everybody interprets something. And in this case, rock and roll differently. Right. So, right. while, and that's not to say that one way of looking at it is right and the other way is right. wrong. It, it just is what it is. It goes sort to of generational gatekeeping. Well, yeah, of it's, sorts. it's like, it, and I'm going to, I'm going to do what I do best and tie it into Superman. It's like in Dawn of Justice where they ask, uh, I think it's Holly Hunter's character, like, should there be a Superman? And she's like, well, there is. Like, right. it's, it's one of those things where it's like, should this be associated with rock and roll? It's like, well, it doesn't matter if you think it should or it shouldn't be. It is. And yeah. honestly, that, that stereotype of like sex, drugs and rock and roll, like it, it persists to, to today. Well, and, and it's, it's interesting because while I would, I would agree with Elvis on like relative to him mm-hmm. that he never wanted to make music that, wasn't appropriate for the whole family. Right. You know what I mean? Um, at the same time, he lived a lifestyle that was like quintessential rock and roll. Yeah. He was, he was sleeping with everybody. I was about to say like, when you think sex, drugs and rock and roll, you can't not think about Elvis. Now, now I, you know, to be, to be fair to Elvis, there's no evidence that he was, that, that he, that he did like actual drugs. He didn't drink much because it's documented that when he drank, he was like a mean, violent drunk, so he, he intentionally didn't drink. He did not do illegal drugs, but we, we know the trouble he had with prescription pill abuse that, that played a factor in his death. We know that. So it, it is funny to see 
Um, well, that's why I think that it's like, it's, while it, it's, it's not drugs the way people think of it, you're, you're kind of splitting hairs when you're right. like, he didn't do drugs. Like, he did. Yeah. He yeah. just didn't do the drugs you think he, he did. He, and they were prescribed yeah. to him, but he did abuse them. So, yeah, he did too. He mixed them. He did too many exactly. of them. He was almost certainly addicted to some of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just interesting to me because you see a, the dichotomy of of a human being, right? You see someone who is deeply concerned about young people and deeply concerned about society and is deeply, deeply patriotic in the old school boomer way. Right. Because that, that was, you know, I mean, well, actually he, he was older than a boomer, but you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. deeply patriotic in that way that someone who was born in the thirties right. would be and grew up in that era. And we know we have the, the hindsight of history of knowing that a lot of what was going on with the counterculture and stuff, a lot of that is just a response to a lot of turmoil and people internalized it in different ways and people dealt with it in different ways. And, um, I think that a lot of, um, some of what he was generally speaking afraid of, which is that if you, if you consume a lot of like, negative stuff mm-hmm. it can have a negative impact on society at large yeah. there's something to be said for that but like it's just it's great irony but the movie is played for fun it's only 86 minutes it's very easy and fun to watch i definitely recommend it. it's amazon prime if you have amazon prime then it's free you don't have to rent it because uh, it was produced by amazon prime studios uh i would definitely right it was one of the one of the funniest movies i've seen in the last few years just because Elvis at that point in time was so often Elvis land in his head, like doing karate moves in the Oval Office and, and, you know, has his own set of rules. Like they give him a set of rules for like meeting the president, but his, his security has to go over with the president's people, the set of rules for if the president's going to meet Elvis. And, And it's, it's just, it, it's so like, ironically, like who else, short of people who wouldn't do it like Michael Jackson or someone like that could have ever just walked up to the white house and be like, Hey, can I see the president? You know? <laughs> so I'll definitely watch it. Uh, I, I do. I find the entire concept to be really like just, it's, it's just funny in general. Yes. But I find it hilarious that like the version of rock and roll that Elvis, who is a, a pillar of rock and roll, the version of it that he did not like and he was worried about is the version that led to my favorite period of rock and roll. Like, right. T- for me, for <laughs> me, quintessential rock and roll was classic 80s rock. Right. Which is, I would argue, defined by the, the copious amounts of sex, the drugs, the the just like nonstop party of it all. Like, because to, to me, right. that is what rock and roll is. And it's funny because now when you get like rock and roll now it's not really like that anymore like there are still people that do it like that but a lot of people it's just like alternative rock or you'll get like i don't know like people yeah. might find this funny but I, I like the band you get like nickelback or yeah creed or stuff like that where it's it's still like kind of a party but it's toned down a lot well you i think that you could I think one day we could do a whole podcast about the evolution of rock and roll music yeah. from its origins and the things that influenced Elvis all the way through mm-hmm. to what we have today. And I think it's interesting because I love the eighties. 
I call it like party rock, like the the hair metal bands yeah. and, and Bon Jovi yes. and and all that kind of and and I also love uh, glam rock, like mm-hmm. late seventies, early eighties, Queen, Queen yeah. David Bowie. I love all of that stuff, and I think that what's so funny about it is all of those artists in their own ways were influenced by Elvis right. and they, they would have probably laughed at the assertion that they were doing anything wrong. Just like he was kind of like, well, what in the world am I doing wrong? You know, when he was, well, Elf, like, and well I Elvis that, is famous for the whole like gyrating hips, swiveling and all of that. And, and I'm like, you can see how Freddie Mercury was influenced by a lot of that in the persona that he put on stage. It, yeah. And I, I, I think that the music that Elvis was kind of worried about of the late sixties and seventies I think what he was so worried about was just that it started to take such a a political mm-hmm. tone yeah. and a political because I mean by the time we got to the music that we're talking about that we love so much the sort of like Meatloaf for me you know mm-hmm. Queen Bo these are like it's either concept albums or like you said by the time you get to uh, like Bon Jovi and and like the the bands that we really like from the eighties that's like what I call, well, I just said it, I think party rock, party mm-hmm. metal. It's lighthearted. Yeah. It's like we're having, yes, there's sex, drugs, and rock and roll, but we're having a party. We're having a party. We're all yeah. having, we're teenagers having a good time. That's the idea, right? And the stuff we're, in the we're, 70s. We're friends hanging out, living our life, usually with reckless abandon. And it's, a, because it's apolitical. Yeah, it's fun. We're you not know? guaranteed tomorrow. So right. let's, let's live fast and die young. And, and I think, that um yeah and and that i think that that stuff was a lot more positive mm-hmm. than some of the stuff that had come out in the 70s because yeah. again i don't think elvis was completely off base with some of his concerns he's just like your he's just like your like really fun uncle who like you're always gonna love but as he got a little bit older mm-hmm. I mean, of course he never lived to be an old man unfortunately yeah. but as he got a little bit older he saw sort of what he thought was one thing was shifting. And so many of us do that. You know, I can already see it in myself for sure, where when I'm teaching my students, there's a lot of things that are popular right now where I'm like, like, no, that's not for me. No, you kids. Although I TikToks. I do. No, no hold on. I, <laughs> I love me some TikTok. I, there are times where I'm supposed to be going to bed because I've got to work early. I will be on TikTok for like three hours straight. And then I'll see what time it is. I'm like, what have I done? But no, I I do think we're, at least I hope our generation is slightly different. We see that the younger generation is into stuff that's just not for us. Yeah. And instead of getting upset about it, we're just like, we kind of laugh. I mean, it's kind of stupid, but yeah. like, it's not for us to like it anyway. So, right. We, right. we, we understand we're not in that demographic. So it's got nothing to so, do with us. So speaking of things that have nothing to do with, well, maybe not with us, but look, but like things that have nothing to do with one group of people, but it, but there's a reason for it existing. Mm-hmm. The other thing I wanted to talk about, ironically related to Elvis, is we got Baz Luhrmann's first trailer for Elvis this week it looks so good. and it looks, it looks really so good, good. Um, and you okay so you know this about me i'm not a huge elvis fan but i am a huge baz lerman fan right so i was like i might watch it but i'm not really into elvis like that so that 
it's it's not for me. Watching that trailer, I was like, no, I'm gonna watch that because it, it looks so. Good. And that's why that's why I wanted to talk about it on the podcast because my theory mm-hmm. is that this movie was made for two groups: mm-hmm. people like you and younger people. Yeah, it's made. Baz Luhrmann loves Elvis. And he wants to show people why he loves Elvis. Yeah. And as a, I'm an Elvis fan my whole life, I'm kind of an Elvis purist in a way. And what I mean by that is that I've read dozens of books about Elvis. I've seen every documentary they've ever made. I know a lot about Elvis. Right. So this isn't a movie that could teach me anything new about Elvis. And in fact, when I see the trailer, I see things that were historically inaccurate. I see things that were historically accurate already just in the trailer. And I'm going, okay, that didn't happen that way. That, 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 wait, he didn't meet the colonel that early in the career. He had another manager for, you know, all these sorts of things. But then my brain goes, but this movie's not, I'm sure Baz Luhrmann knows that because I love Elvis, I love that movie. Right? He wants... You it's and, easy and younger to, it's people. It's easy to get a fan of Elvis to go right. watch an Elvis movie. He but wants, if you want people who just aren't into that to watch it, you got you got to bring something new to the table. He wants younger people or maybe someone like you to go watch the movie and then at least in the day or week after you see the movie, see Elvis in a different light. It right. may become ask somebody like me a question about Elvis or, mm-hmm. hey, do you have an Elvis record I could borrow? Or, hey, like I, this happened in this movie. You really like Elvis. Was that true? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like and he wants to, to create this conversation around Elvis again, which I think is really cool. And I wish that they would do that for more artists that have gone on because there are lots and lots of really unique talents. I would love to see a really good Jimi Hendrix movie. I would love to see, um, they are making a Michael Jackson movie, um, and, and I'm very excited to see what comes as down the pike about that. As long as they don't cast Flex Alexander <laughs> to be Michael Jackson, Again. Uh, or Joseph Fiennes. Or Joseph Fiennes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would love to see them do that for um, some of these people that have really never got this send-up, because mm-hmm. there's been some TV stuff, but the last time that we got an Elvis movie was the year after Elvis died and it was John Carpenter's Elvis with Kurt Russell, which is fine for what it was. But, um, you got to think the guy has now been dead longer than he lived. And we do live in a time now where, um, the newest generations like don't have exposure to Elvis because of passage of time. Right. So this is just a way for them to see Elvis and, I would hazard a guess a lot of people in the modern generation are are still going to be like, oh, that was a long time ago, you know. Mm-hmm. But they might see the movie, and then they might have something that they could talk to their parents about or their grandparents about. And I think, but to the trailer, Tom Hanks looks like he's playing the Colonel. Um, uh, kind of. I, I, the voice is a little weird, but the Colonel had a weird voice. Um, and the Colonel always worked to hide his accent because the big secret, of course, was that the Colonel was an illegal immigrant. And the reason that Elvis never toured in Europe or Asia is because um, the Colonel 
was partially worried about that. Um, it's also true that the colonel was worried about security because taking Elvis places was a huge security risk. Right. Um, but uh, it seems like this is a story about the rise of Elvis through Colonel's eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope that it shows the Colonel for who he was, which is a complicated man. He was in some ways, he was in some ways to blame for some of the stuff that happened with Elvis. But on the other hand, the Colonel really took care of Elvis and clearly you can't argue with his results. I mean, he was, he was a hell of a manager. Um, he signed countless deals where he did not get his money up front. Um, there's a lot of talk about the colonel taking half of all of Elvis's money and this, that, and the other, and that, and that's actually not true. Uh, he did, he did make a lot of money off of Elvis in his time, but the colonel always, always made sure that Elvis got what he felt Elvis was worth. Um, and. The, they they badmouth him for the movies because you know Elvis got bored doing the movies after a few years and thought it ruined his chances of being a serious actor. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, he missed about eight to ten years worth of recording, and he felt that other artists became very relevant, like the Beatles during the time when he wasn't recording. And people blame the Colonel for that. But how much money was Elvis making? He was ungodly deals. He was ungodly famous. So the Colonel always held up his end of the bargain. And, and the, I don't really know much about that, but I, so I do know that like Elvis, when he was alive, was probably like stupid rich. Yeah, he was, he was very well. So, yeah. it's not like, to make it a more modern example, it's not like when TLC didn't really make any money off of their album and stuff like that. Like, Elvis was making so, I, if the colonel was indeed, like, even if he was shady in his dealings, it's not like Elvis or his family was left destitute. Not at all. And Elvis, like, probably had more money than he could probably spend in, like, five lifetimes. So, to me, it just seems like it's a symbiotic relationship to where a dude who maybe was kind of greedy, maybe kind of took advantage but it's not like the other person was left in the wind. And it's not like he didn't work his ass off for right. Elvis. Like, and, and one thing, I mean, Elvis died um, with a lot less money than people would have thought, but it's only, it's only because he also spent crap tons of money. Yeah. Bought people Cadillacs at random and stuff like exactly. that, you know, but, um, but yeah, it looks really good. Austin Butler looks like he's going to do a phenomenal job. I, mm. From what I understand, he's doing the singing for early Elvis, like the 50s, like Jailhouse Rock, Heartbreak Hotel, Hound Dog era. Mm-hmm. And then like once he gets to the 60s and 70s, they're using Elvis's actual singing. And there were some criticisms of the trailer. He doesn't really look like him. The only thing I have to say to that is, one, who really looks like Elvis? And two... Well, Flex Alexander. <laughs> Uh, and Joseph Fines, but damn sure ain't a little like Michael uh, Jackson. And two, he looks like Elvis a lot more in the later years yeah. with the jumpsuits and the and the, the tan and, and all of that. So I'm looking forward to that. I think we both agreed the the trailer just looks great. Honestly, um, the only time that I've seen anybody in a movie in a biopic look like the other person, uh, the one that comes to my mind the most is Rami Malek in Bohemian Rhapsody. 
Yeah, and that was great. And I was, God, I was good. well. Look, I mean, if if that and that we all as we we all know, I'm a huge Queen fan. Is it? We all know that movie was not. They took some liberties. The most historically accurate representation of Queen. We they, know they changed a lot of the the, the yeah. timing of the events going back. Rocket Man, the Elton John movie, was not the most accurate, but it was a, but it was a great movie, and I that's kind of what I expect from this. Completely unrelated, but I'm going to bring it up anyway because we talked about Bohemian Rhapsody and Rocket Man. I love the fact that Rob Stark and Peter Baelish played the exact same person in two separate movies. Yes. You know, <laughs> Game of Thrones. Little blue. tidbit there, in case you didn't Actually, know. Actually, uh, mentioning Game of Thrones brings us to our next topic. So, you remember uh, my, my quick take, hot take for you last week. Which of the three musical artists would you... Um, choose to remember and then you forget the you forget everything about the other two. Yes. We're gonna do something like that again this week. I'm scared. Oh you should be. You should be. I don't know why I'm hyping it up this much. It's not world shattering. But I think I I personally I know which one you're going to choose. But I'm I'm cur- I'm more curious about the thought process. And I'm gonna be very confused. I'm gonna be very shooketh if you don't choose the one I think you're gonna choose. So this week, instead of musical artists, it's TV shows. Well, two TV shows and a movie. Okay. Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones, Lost. Oh, so I have to forget two of them. You have to forget everything about two of them. You can only remember one. Now, I've known you for... Do some quick maths... 12, 11, 11, 11, 12 years at this, wait, 11, 12, something? We're wow. going on 13. Oh, dear Lord, we're old. Uh, <laughs> I've known you about um, a baker's dozen for years at this point. I personally, I think I know which one you're going to choose. I, I'm not going to say it until, until you've come to it, but I think you know which one that I think you're going to choose. Yes. But let's talk it out. I know which one I'm going to choose. Mm-hmm. I know which one you would choose, and I know which one uh, my nephew Aaron would choose. Yes. And I think we all have very different uh, which ones. we all have three yeah. different ones, yeah. Um, and I, I'll even say which one that I would choose in this situation, because like you, I love all three of them. Um, I'm going to give you some time to think, even though I don't, you don't. I know you don't need to think, but I'll just go ahead and name mine. Um, it would hurt, but I would... I would definitely uh, let go of Lord of the Rings. I love Lord of the Rings. It's one of my favorite movie franchises of all time. Um, But as much as I love it, it was not the defining franchise of my youth. That would be Star Wars. Uh, I would also... This one actually hurts to say a bit. I would forget Lost. And that you, you know me. I love Lost. But you also know that I came late. I came as late to Lost as one could possibly get yeah. while it was still on TV. Um, I started watching the first season when it first aired. I forgot what year it was. Um, and I just, it, it, it didn't hook me. I was like, why the hell are there polar bears on this tropical island? None of this is making sense. I don't care, whatever. And then... You showed me the series recap right before season six started. And 
even though I hadn't watched it, I'd been keeping up with it. I knew I knew the names of characters and stuff. I I knew Sawyer, Jack, Kate, uh, Charlie. I remember Charlie because of Lord of the Rings. And you showed me that recap uh, one day early in the Gordon Computer Library before yeah. we had to be a class, and I was like, "Holy crap! This is this is different." It was the first example, and we, we didn't have this term then, but I was like, this show is built different. So I started watching uh, all of it. You let me borrow every season. I was watching seasons one through five while simultaneously watching season six as it aired. Yeah. And to this day, I still don't know how my brain didn't collapse. Under good times. Oh, my God. It was such good times. Um, And I want to say I caught up on seasons one through five in... It was fast, and I want to say that most of the watching we did was in the uh, the Gordon College Computer Labs. Yes, yes, it was because like I remember having Hulu. Yeah, so, like I was just constantly like going to the computer labs in the morning and just watch Lost. There would be people out there actually doing work, and be like, "Nah, we here for Lost." Um, so I caught up. I caught up real quick because I I was done with it before we got to like any of the big moments in the final season, and that whole final season, I. That it's phenomenal television. They are they weren't dead the whole time, um, and to this day we still talk about Lost with like really good memories and fond memories and all yeah. that. I still rewatch it once every other year or so. I think I've seen yeah. it like ten or ten, ten times or something like that. Yeah, um, I rewatched it. I think maybe four or five times in the last couple of years. Uh, I remember one day we were almost late to Hamlet practice because we were in my dorm room just watching the. Uh, the flash sideways golden sepia tone clips. It's a very bad idea. <laughs> it was a terrible idea because once it was done, we were both sitting at my desk weeping and then we were like, oh God, we've got to go to rehearsal. Um, so I've got, I've got great memories of Lost. But for me, with the exception of Smallville, there is nothing that I have ever watched from beginning to end that was must-see TV like Game of Thrones. Yep. To this day, I've rewatched Game of Thrones every season minus the final season, which I've only seen twice. I've watched every season of that show like maybe four or five times. Same. I think I've watched it about Um, five times at this point. And the only reason I haven't watched the final season more is because... Recent. Yeah, I, it's it's very recent. Uh, we rewatched it what last year. Yeah, and God, I loved every minute of it. Um, I need to rewatch it though because I can watch it in glorious four K. Four K. We can we rewatch the Battle of uh, Winterfell. We and did. You can see everything. When I got that four K Steelbook limited boy, edition collection. Ooh, Shout out good. to our boy Donnie for getting those. For yeah, that was that. It, was, it's it's my favorite Steelbook was. collection that I own. Nope. Um. But I, I love everything about Game of Thrones. I I can see where people have problems with the final season. To me, personally, it is nowhere near as bad as season, what was that, five? Yeah. Season five is the worst season, season five Game was, of Thrones. Yeah, season five, I think, objectively speaking, was the worst season, even though it had one of the top ten episodes, which was Hard Hogs. Yeah, oh, my God, yes. Uh, and I will maintain this till the day I die. Bad Game of Thrones... Which let's let's be honest, there are bad episodes. 
But bad Game of Thrones is still better than ninety percent of anything that's oh, ever yeah. come I on mean, TV. I, I mean that that you know the last season won the uh, Emmy for Outstanding Drama Series yeah. again, and and, 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 so, and rightfully so. Rightfully so. Um, it. I will give. These are the only valid criticisms of the final season. I will accept. Uh, it's rushed. Rushed. Yeah. Um. The writing for certain characters is not up to par with how they were written previously. And that's a byproduct of how it was rushed. Yes. And maybe... And and I will give people that the Battle of Winterfell was hot garbage because... Because of the way it was... You can't... It it was not designed to be watched on regular television. You have to watch it in 4K or Blu-ray, and you have to have a TV that's built to handle that. The compression rates for streaming... Yeah. We're not up to par with how that, that exactly. was filmed. And, I mean, look, right, wrong, or different, that is a fault of the technical, the people responsible for the technical, yes, the technical aspects of the show, um, because the number one rule has to be, in a visual medium, make sure the audience can, can see, what see and hear and, and, and knows, it has an awareness of what you're looking at. Exactly. So, yeah, I, I agree with that. And, I mean, the only other criticism... And again, this just goes to it being rushed, is there are a couple of strange moments like when Gendry says that he's no longer a Rivers. I'm Gendry. Like, like you, well, you were never Gendry. You weren't born in the Riverlands. So like this You're isn't this isn't, this isn't something where you would need to go deep into the lore in the already established rules right. of the show, you should know that bastards are named after you should know where Gendry was born. He's, he's Gendry born in, Waters. He was born in Flea Bottom, so he's exactly. a Waters. Exactly. So like, you know, um, and even then, even then, it, he wouldn't have known his bastard name until he found out he was the son of Robert Baratheon, because only like noble bastards got got surnames. But that's that's regardless. I do not give people the whole Daenerys being the villain was wrong. It wasn't right for her that, character. That was her so character like, arc like from that day was one. Literally, her character arc from day one. It was her and John. We're on a collision course to that throne. You remember when I read the first book, which was after you had read the first book, mm-hmm. and like the first conversation we had about it when you're like, So what do you think? And I was like, Well, I think Daenerys is Darth Vader. Yep. And that this is her Anakin prequel origin story. Yes. And the other thing I think is that whatever's going on with Jon Snow's mom is the key to the whole story. And yep. then, then you were like, Funny you should say that. There's a fan theory, R plus L equals J. And from that moment on, we were both like, Yep. yep. And, you know... Because I... I Okay, so reading the first book and watching the first season, I was like, I don't see things ending well for Danny because her brother was a terrible person. He treated her horribly. She let her husband cover his head in molten gold. You're not a good person if you let someone do that. Even if, the, even, it, even if it's not your brother. Like, that's cruelty for the sake of cruelty. When you could simply just, and yes, I get it, they were in Bias Dothrak, so you can't spill blood there. Tie him up, take him out of the city, and swiftly behead him. Well, it's also, the, to me, the whole Daenerys thing, it's like, look, look, she, she watched as her brother was killed, she crucified people, she burnt people alive. She was doing this the whole time. And Tyrion, well, da- Tyrion says it is, so perfectly Daenerys in the finale. is what they accuse, um... Matt Damon of being in the Great Wall. Like, right, Daenerys right, right. is the textbook example of the great white hero. Yes, yes. But people also forget 
the path to hell is paved with good intentions. Yeah. She yeah. had great intentions, had, but her problem was yeah. she bought into her own hype and she never listened yep. to people who were smarter than her mm-hmm. because she thought she knew what was best. Whereas John also had great intentions, but he at the very least took other people's counsel into consideration. Because he had the humility. He was not told from birth no. that he was special. No. He was not told that there was some that he had some destiny about him. So he was Truthfully, John was treated like garbage for he a didn't large want, portion of the series. He didn't want power. He didn't want responsibility like that. And that's what made him a good leader. Yes, because every time that every time authority was placed upon him, and I love this because it's pretty much his dialogue from the entire final season. Mm-hmm. He was like, I don't want it. His his response he any time want, he didn't want to be Lord Commander. He didn't want to be King of the North. And he for damn sure didn't want to be the king of the seven kingdoms. And he did not want to be the Messiah. No. He didn't want to be anyone's messianic figure. He never wanted that. And and Daenerys, in her mind, that was her whole identity. Yep. So that is why the philosoph that philosophical conundrum, that, that was the cognitive dissonance that came about between those two characters when she learns that he's a Targaryen. Because mm-hmm. for him, truthfully, it doesn't matter. No, it doesn't matter to him. That's what he tells her. He was like, I'll just never say anything about it. I don't care. And then she, but to her, she doesn't understand that because that's her whole identity. Yeah. And so I think that, and it's also funny because that like her finding out that he is her nephew hadn't like, she didn't care about what that meant as far as their romantic relationship. She's a Targaryen. She's a Targaryen. That's what they do. That's what they've been doing since they've come to, to West. It's kind of like, oh, even better because we need to. We need more Targaryens. Exactly. exactly. Her whole thing when she found out that he is Aegon, sixth of his name, is that she was like, well, then that makes you the actual ruler of the Seven Kingdoms, and that's my thing. Right. And and, I, and he's like, I don't care. He's like, I don't want it. He was like we should tell my siblings because they are my siblings and we can trust them. And now she did rightfully say that like, if you love me, then the only people you will tell will be the people that are in this room, which are you and me, because the moment one person knows secrets, grow. we won't be able to control it. Exactly. She was right about exactly. that. And honestly, she, she, I, I agree. She was right because the moment Varys found out, Varys started plotting and he plotted to kill her. Which I also don't blame Varys. I don't blame him for Varys, it. I blame him for doing stupid. Varys, Varys did it in a really dumb way, but yes. Varys was trying to do what needed to be done. Varys, and the I way love, he went about it is stupid, but it was completely in character with who Varys yes, is. Because yes. Varys, from season one, when Ned was like, who do you serve? Mm-hmm. Varys was like, I serve the, the realm. realm. And I, I don't yeah. care about the noble houses. I don't care about the lords and the ladies and their high towers. I care about the people whose whose lives are yep. affected by your decisions. I serve them. And I love, love, love how he goes out mm-hmm. when, like, I think my nephew Aaron pointed this out. He was like, he was a boss till the end, like, when he looked at Tyrion and basically was like, well, I hope I'm the asshole, you know? Mm-hmm. And of course was wrong yeah as he was many times in that final season like well Tyrion and, Tyrion is right about a lot of stuff but Tyrion's great Tyrion's blind spot 
and it's realistic because a lot of people are like this, is when he falls in love with someone, for better or worse, he does not see their flaws. Yeah. Which, yeah. you and I are both guilty of that. I mean, we're not going to get into detail about that. You have, you have to pay for that conversation. Um, but no, a lot of people are like that. Like, we refuse to see the negative aspects of the people yeah. that we love. And whether it's a romantic love or a familial love or just a, a friendship type of love, we see the ideal version of those people because we care about them. Right. It's easy to see the bullshit of people like Euron Greyjoy and Cersei Lannister and I was about to say Kevin, but Kevin was a good Lannister and Tywin Lannister. They're horrible people. And they're 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 not decent human beings. Right. But when it's when it's a Daenerys or Jamie, Jamie's yeah. great fault is that no matter what, he could not extricate himself from the love he had for Cersei. And it's ultimately what the led things him, we do for love. The, it's this is why I don't give people the argument that like it didn't make any sense for Jamie to go back for Cersei. It completely does because from the first episode, from the final shot of the first episode. They establish who Jamie Lannister is and what he's willing to do. And for as Stannis told loves. us, if a man knows who, who he, he is and remains true to himself, the, the choice, choice is no choice, choice at all. Also, speaking of Stannis, Stannis, I mean, there were a lot of surprise Pikachu faces towards the end of the show, and I don't get it. Like, right. Stannis was burning people for for, for the first time for, you meet Stannis Baratheon. The he's whole people. time, literally, he's burning the people. The first scene that Stannis Baratheon shows up in in season two, he's burning people and I who spoke out against him. It made complete sense by the time you get to it. What is it? Season six? Yep. That he burns his daughter alive. Because at this point, Stannis can't yep. go back. Yep. Stannis is all in. He's buying into the hype down. that he is the prince that was promised. He is a he, Zora High reborn. He has the same problem Daenerys has. He yes. has the, 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 the destiny complex. Yes. The messiah complex. And here's the thing. At the, at the end of the day... If you're looking at whether it's Daenerys, whether it's Stannis, both of them had that thing going on. And it's like, you know, as Tyrion says, look, the only reason that we applauded what she was doing before is because we didn't care about the people she was killing. She was killing and the people we didn't like. Just like Stannis' daughter. It's like, well, now, now now, we like Shireen, so now it's a problem. He's burning right. people. Like, you know, and, and I, I just think that. God, that's, we we'll, we have to talk about the show another time on another podcast. One of these days, but, we're but like, gonna get into it. we need to talk about the themes on that show because people are like, it doesn't have any themes. It's like, what are you talking about? It's nothing but themes. It's nothing but themes. Like, you know, the things we do for love, uh, staying true to yourself. Uh, um, is love the death of duty or is duty the death of love? Man, that'll preach with Jon Snow and his story arc. Dude, like, I could write, if I was still in college and I had to write a, a paper about this type right. of stuff, I could write an entire 15-page paper is, on is death the is a uh, duty the death of love or is love the death we of can duty. Do, we should do a because, whole series on Game of Thrones. And I t I told you the day after the final episode aired, if you put me in the same position that you put Jon Snow in in that final scene in 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 the um in the throne room in King's Landing, Jon is a better man than me because yeah. I promise you, nine times out of ten, I am not going to kill the woman that I love. Because it's the right thing to do. And it's because I I think I'm a good person. But it is asking an awful lot of somebody to kill the person that they love. Who they have nothing but genuine affection for. For people that they may never know. 
especially when you take into the account that a few years before that, the other love of Jon Snow's life died in his hands, died in his arms because of his duty. Mm-hmm. He could have attacked the wall with the wildlings, but he was like, "No, I made a, I made a promise." And that is what makes it so bittersweet because yes. that the thing that makes him worthy of being the ruler is the thing that excludes him from it. Yes, and it's it's very sublime. To answer your question, though, right? Um, I look, I love Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. That's not going to make the bottom two here. Uh, Lord of the Rings is one of the greatest stories I've ever read. One of the best things I've ever watched. It's one of the best movies. The themes, the themes of Lord of the Rings are very important to me. Mm-hmm. Those values do matter to me. I do love it. However, if you're asking me like what I enjoyed m- more, um, look, Game of Thrones was like one of Game of Thrones is my second favorite show of all time. It's mm-hmm. one of my favorite stories I've ever consumed. I wish the author would one day finish the book series. It's not going to happen. I'm super excited about House of the Dragon, though. Oh, I can't um, wait for that. And I would love to talk about this more when we have more time to do so. Uh, ultimately, I also think we should do weekly recaps of House of the Dragon. I agree. We're definitely. Ultimately, though. Separate episodes, though. Like, we do the main episode, then we just do House of the Dragon. Yeah, episodes. yeah. Those are, like, side bonus quests. Yeah. Um, like, uh, ultimately, for me, I would have to pick Lost because it's my favorite show. It's, it's the story that inspired me to want to go to film school and take up writing um, as a potential profession. Um, it's what really got me into watching TV. I didn't watch a ton of TV as a kid. Um, and, you know, I I mean, Lost is... I, I, I could do a whole episode on Lost, which yeah. maybe we should do one day. Like, Lost is great to me. Lost had a perfect ending, despite what people say. Um, and... I would just, I would have to go with Lost. I mean, is that difficult for me? Sure, because I love Game of Thrones. Um, right. But I know what my life was like before Game of Thrones came along, and it was very full with my love of Lost. So, um, and if you had asked me and at it, the time, it, it wasn't. would you rather not have seen Lost or still or get to keep Lord of the Rings, I would have been like, nah, I'm going to keep Lost. Right. So, it, and, and it wasn't an easy choice for me, like, because, like, like, I love all three of those, but it, I'll probably still be losing my mind about Game of Thrones until I'm an 80-year-old man. I agree. Yeah. I, I agree. That being said, I think there are characters in Lost that I have more in common with because they were written to be more realistic representations of what people are, which are flawed right. human beings. Right. Um, I, I think the character that I have the most in common with is... Honestly, it's a tie between Jack and Sawyer. Yep. Um, and that's mostly because they both have terrible father issues. Uh, but we, we're going to have to talk about that another day. But uh, we'll be back. Yeah. Right after a, a word from our sponsor. Hey. Hey, can you hear me? I can. I'm, I'm working on sending the link to the other Harpers. Give me a moment. Hey, no problem. While you do that, I will talk to our listeners. Um, so, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Logan and Jake Take podcast. Um, as promised, we have some special guests who are going to be joining us here in just a few moments. One of them is already on the line. 
Um, I don't want to spoil it until we get everyone in. Um, but this is going to be a really cool conversation. Um, I did want to do a disclaimer kind of at the top. Um, and this is something I actually wasn't even able to share this information with our guests yet because it literally just happened. Um, Logan very unexpectedly had to leave. So I will be manning the ship myself for the interview. Um, so that was sad because Logan is a lot of fun, especially when we have a group of people we can talk to, but I'll do the best I can, um, without him to keep the conversation flowing. Totally. Uh, I hope Logan's okay. Sending him good vibes. Appreciated. Uh, he is okay. And he sends his apologies. He was really, really excited and looking forward to it. So he was bummed. Um, Should we reschedule? Well, um, he said, he said, you know, last thing he said was, hey, the the show should go on because we're dealing with a lot of people's time and a lot of people's schedules. So just go ahead and do it. And if maybe we'll get a chance to talk to them again at some point and please tell everyone it was not personal. (laughs) Hello, hello. Hello, hello. Logan is not here. Hey, Adele. Logan's not here. Um, And he was super excited to be interviewed by Jake and um, to interview with us alongside Jake. And I'm wondering if we should um, push this a week or two just to give Logan a chance to join us. Well, that would be that would be up to you all. Um, Logan said that he's fine either way. Um, He it was very unexpected, like last minute. We were actually recording another segment. And then he got a call and was like, you know, I, I actually have to go right now. And that was about five minutes ago. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm cool with doing, you know, doing whatever you guys want. I'm, uh, I'll probably be available next week. Um, um, I'm, I'm cool with just rolling with with rolling with it. Um, that's, that's up to you. That's totally whatever works for everyone's schedule. Cause I know we have like a lot of people's schedules here that, that we're working with. So it's, if just sticking with the plan goes for you guys, that works for me. What do you say, Adele? I am open to whatever. I don't have a life, so I'm flexible. Everybody's so malleable. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, if, if it helps out of tempo, Logan was not, Logan seem, seemed to be of the mindset that we should just press forward. Uh, as he ran out the door, he screamed over his shoulder, the show must go on. And then he slammed the door. <laughs> okay. Then the show must go then on. The show shall go on. And Logan's so on Logan. But but please know, friends, that Logan was very excited to talk to you all. Um, and he, uh, Logan is a big MCU fan. And as, if if you listen to any of the episode we did with Lot of Tempo a few weeks ago, Logan really enjoyed that. So he is with us in spirit. Oh, love it. Um, well, hopefully everything's okay with Logan. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm sure it is. He, uh, Logan is a really great guy, and he's. It was very. It was sad because he looked at me with this look on his face, like, I actually have to go right now. This is a thing that's happening. So he's fine though. It's. It's not like, it. It was urgent, but it was not like life or death. Thank goodness. Yeah, no worries. Okay. Let's, uh, let's rock it. Let's do it. So, uh, well, so for our listeners out there, um, we are joined by. The LARPers from Hawkeye. So I'm sure everyone's really, really, really excited about this. We got a lot of great feedback when we did our episode with a lot of tempo. So uh, I really just like, I want to let you guys introduce yourselves, hype yourselves up, tell us what you're working on, um, whatever you want to share about yourselves. 
um, because I know that people were really looking forward to this. Um, they really enjoyed uh, when I was talking to Tempo. They were like, we need to do more interviews with people. They were like, do you know people? And then it just so happens, like, you know, while we were pretending that we know people that had been in things, um, <laughs> it just so happens that Tempo was like, well, you know, like, would you like to talk to, to like, you know, some of my friends who also worked on the show? Like, we would love that. So <laughs> I know so, a couple people. Thank you so much for joining us. A couple please, of cool cats. Uh, in whatever order you'd like to do it, just introduce yourselves. Tell us whatever you want to tell us. Like I said, hype yourselves up. This is this is your time. We, we want to celebrate you guys and the stuff that you're that you're doing right now. Did I'll go up first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's usually what happens is we all jump in at the same time. Okay. <laughs> My name is Ada Tempo Thomas. Um, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Ada Tempo. That's me. I am a producer and an actor, and I play Wendy Conrad on Hawkeye. I am currently producing a couple of things and auditioning, hopefully got some things in the works, but mostly I'm spending time with my pets and my fiance and hanging out with my fellow LARPers. Hey. And that, that is so awesome. And out of tempo, um, I, I don't remember if I, if, if I knew that um, you were engaged, but congratulations, that's awesome. Oh, thank you. I, yeah, thanks. <laughs> I'm getting married next month. It's very exciting stuff. That is that is super awesome. I'm so happy for you. I'm getting married in August. What, congratulations. Yeah, like, look at us, we're grown ups. Yeah, that's weird. Sorry <laughs> guys, Adele, Rob, I didn't tell you, I went to high school with Jake. Oh, word. Oh, no way. Yeah, awesome. yeah, yeah. Yes. We, we were in theater also, together. You next month? Yeah, you're we were married next month. So I'm doing a courthouse thing in March okay. and then doing the like African wedding in July. Okay. okay. Yeah. You both were like, what? Well, yeah. I was like, oh my God, am I that bad of a friend? Is it really next month? No, yeah. no, no. It's it's not till July. You guys are good. Okay. Cool. All right. Good. We got that out of the way. Adele, you're up. Um, cool. I'm Adele. I am not getting married anytime soon. Um <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, uh, yeah, I play Missy in Hawkeye. Um, you can follow me on the Insta, it's my first and last name, Adele Drehos, two L's, two E's. Um, as far as stuff that I'm working on right now, the only thing on the, the, the biggest thing on the horizon is a, uh, a short film that I've been trying to produce for two years. Um, if anybody wants to follow that there's like absolutely nothing on the film's instagram page but it is on instagram and facebook it's called half bloods of gila and gila is spelled h-i-l-l-a um cool. it's completely dead because we are in early 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 pre-pro but it's it's a massive project uh that we're hope well, we're hoping will become big um but you know dream big so if you like fantasy fiction uh give that a follow and see where we go over the next year and um yeah just just happy to be here this is we, we love talking hawkeye and and marvel and about bomb shelters and stuff apparently so you know <laughs> it's fun well thank you for joining us i really 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 appreciate it and i so i know logan does as well and my name is robert walker broncho and i play orville on hawkeye um Currently working on being the best person I can be. Yes. And uh, 
I'm also a producer as well. I have a documentary that's been on the festival circuit for the last couple months. Um, so we're really right now just trying to get that bad boy sold so uh, more people can can see it and learn the story. Um, that's pretty much that's it. That's that's all I got. Awesome. Well, I certainly, um, Adele and Robert, I certainly wish you guys um, the best with uh, your endeavors and the things that you're working on right now. Um, and that that's really awesome. And I know that I definitely enjoyed everyone in Hawkeye. So I definitely look forward to seeing what what you guys come up with down the pike here. And um, that's really cool to know that there are new projects that I can look up and hopefully see more of you guys very soon. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so MCU stuff, um, in the last episode, when I talked to Autotempo, we talked a lot about just some of the, it was sort of like free form. We had a few questions, but it was kind of, we just talked about nerdy stuff that we, that we really like to talk about the, and our sort of our takes on different things. And that's kind of what I was hoping this could be too. We just have a dialogue, whatever, whatever direction it goes in, whatever we want to talk about. Um, certainly if you all would like to share some of your experiences, from working on Hawkeye, I know our listeners would never tire of hearing those types of stories. How you know how you came to work on Hawkeye? Um, what were your favorite moments from the set uh, that you'd like to talk about? Uh, what are some things that just maybe uh, story-wise um, you're curious about after the series, uh, at least a first season, has ended somewhat definitively for certain arcs. There, it could certainly go in other places. What are some of the things that you would like to see um, for your characters and for other characters, um, you know, in future? Hey, in that future. was like 10 questions already. Yes. Hold on. <laughs> it, was, yeah, it was like 12 questions probably. <laughs> so, any of those questions, any of that. Can you answer the, ask them again one at a time and then we'll answer? Yes. Okay. I can't remember all Well, of yeah, we can also use something like conversationally and, and nerd out, whichever. And then, yeah, that's, that's cool too. Apologies. I was very excited there. Okay. <laughs> the first question I believe that I uh, wanted to ask was just what were some of your experiences on the set of Hawkeye that you'd really um, like to talk about or like to share like your favorite experiences? I have a fun one. Ooh. Okay. I have a fun one that hasn't, I don't think we've, I've shared yet. Um, so the 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 in the final episode there's the the bat swing and rob gets the belly bump mm -hmm. um against the bros and it was funny because when we originally walked onto set and we had started working on that scene we were talking to um i think we we're talking to heidi who was the stunt coordinator and we we're like oh we're we gonna we can get to fight some bros we can get a little, little stunt action and they were like oh we're hoping we're hoping and then it was like oh no sorry we're not gonna do it after all I was like really bummed. And then we ended up filming the last part of that scene where we're standing by the ambulance and we're talking to the policeman and we're like, oh yeah, we're, we're with Hawkeye and Rob drops that line, you know, we're essentially Avengers. <laughs> so that entire bit um, was all completely improvised. There was no, no we weren't given a, a script for that. And we did what Rob two three takes of that and that was that was it I think yeah yeah, yeah it was it was like two or three takes and they're just like you're just recounting the events 
talking to this, you know, officer. And so we're just completely riffing. And in one of the takes, um, I throw out because I was still, I was like, oh man, I still wanted that stunt. So in my heart, I was like, I still got it. And, and I threw out, I was like, oh, and I hit a guy, but it was in self-defense. <laughs> and, and that was enough for me because I felt like, okay, I'd achieve that. So then we, we come back like the next week to do, um, to finish up some pickup shots for that scene. And as we're walking, you know, towards set, um, I forget his name. Uh, one, one of the guys walks up to me. He's like, hey, how's it going? I was like, hey, cool, cool, cool. He's like, all right, so uh, we, we've got this little stunt for you. I was like, huh? He's like, I remember. You can hit this guy with a bat. And I was like, I spoke that into existence. Yes. <laughs> and that was so cool because if they had used that take, I guess they would have needed to show it. Um, and so, so that's how I, I, I suspect, I strongly suspect that's how I got to swing the bat. Um, because I, you know, accidentally, unintentionally through improv just said that line. And then they also gave Rob the epic belly bump, um, which, and the stunt actors were so good at selling those, both of those shots, <laughs> uh, cause it is not easy to maneuver in in those shoulder pads and 20 pounds of chain mail to swing that bat but uh that was that was a pretty neat experience getting to see how that kind of came to fruition so that's my story that is hilarious i love the the idea of sort of speaking something into existence um right? <laughs> really good things are born from improv i know that like that was true for me in theater and it's certainly true. I, I read things and see things and lots of people talk about how improv birthed like a lot of really cool stuff. So that's a great story. Yeah. And th there was a lot of improv on this set, which was immensely fun for the mm -hmm. rest of us. Well, and if that, if that line about uh, being basically Avengers was improv, then that, that wins the improv lines. At least the ones that I know, now are yeah. improv that wins for for the year so far <laughs> i will absolutely um give uh rob that certificate that trophy the medal um the name badge the like plaque to go in front of his house and one on the bench at the park nearby like he he deserves that because that's still one of my favorite lines of the entire season <laughs> it, it was so great i i actually that was one of the moments where um i that was one of those like you know fist pumping moments <laughs> like yes yes you are <laughs> somebody on facebook today called us avenger adjacents and i was like okay okay i'll take it <laughs> yeah i'll be honest with you um i've worked on enough projects now that i find it very important to make yourself um relevant while you're working mm. and and make yourself stand out uh and and i, I the reason i say is like i've worked on a lot of shows that i was only written in as i was only supposed to be there for an episode and then i've gotten i get to come back for a second or third or fourth episode and i truly believe it's because of of that attitude while i'm there and i'm you know i'm I want to be a good employee and I want, I want to make it easier on everybody else. But it's also like, I want to make choices that whether it be the editor or the director sees that and they're like, Oh, that's, that's a, you know, that's a great, that's a great line. So admittedly the, that was, 
in the moment, that's what I was thinking. You know, I, I knew that this is this this experience is coming to an end mm. uh, with Hawkeye. And it was kind of looking you know, at that shot was one of our last shots type of deal. And I was really just that's forward thinking, going like, what can I do right now in this moment to try to get the four of us back in this series at some capacity, whether or if there's a Hawkeye season two <laughs> or something like that. And then, you know, and like, and you throw out improv lines, you never know if they're going to stick or if they're going to be like, you know, <laughs> that sucks. Why? Like, or, you know, you're overstepping. So it's kind of just one of those, uh, I'm going to, you know, throw it out there and, and just be truthful with it. And hopefully it makes the cut. And <laughs> thankfully it did make the cut. So now, uh, now hopefully there, there's somebody in a, in a writer's room right now hashing out season two of Hawkeye or, or some other movie, and they're like, "Hey, this place takes place in New York. Uh, maybe we can sneak in a little, little <laughs> Larpers cameo in this." And, I'm and, saying you know, so. Mm -hmm. well, I'm mean, speaking I, to existence. I mean, uh, with your stated intention there, that is that you definitely hit a bullseye because pun intended. Because that that like that was like really great, and I you know I was talking to Ada Tempo last time I spoke with her about. Um, what one of the things that I hope comes from this is that you all have like pop figures because I collect yes, and I want LARPer <laughs> pop figures. And so my maybe, goal in yeah. life is to have a Funko Pop. Um, maybe like you made it if you have a, your own Funko Pop. <laughs> I'm still just trying to get a Giphy. I'm bringing this up in every conversation. Yes, <laughs> I'm just trying to get the Giphy right now. <laughs> I would be lying if my feelings weren't hurt a little bit. <laughs> I've uh yeah I'm on that train too. I'm surprised that we didn't get any gifts on the Instagram. That was, I was every day I would go and uh, while the show was airing and they were dropping new new gifts. I was like, today's gonna be the day we're gonna see the larpers, <laughs> and it never came. So I won't let it rest. <laughs> Don't let it rest. Keep bringing it up. You know, and speaking of putting, you know, manifesting things because that's essentially what we've how we pivoted this question. Um, I've I've been on a campaign to uh, make stuff about my character canon that I just completely made up. Um, <laughs> one of the things I was, uh, there's a day I was talking to Reese, who's an executive producer. Like, I think he was like, the director of story. That's not the official title, but he was important. And he also directed half the season. And he was like, oh, you know, since you're a cop. And I was like, yeah, I'm a cop, but I'm on the bomb squad. And he's like, yeah, 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 that's true. I was like, hey. <laughs> like that's not in that's not in anything. Wendy Conrad juggles bombs. She's a, a like a bad guy juggler. But I was like, well, if I'm an NYPD, I might as well be in the bomb squad. So I'm trying to slip things like that in there. Um, she has a wife, but they don't say whether she's like a lesbian. So I was like, I'm just making it canon that she's bi, you know. So just speak, you know, to the listeners. Just say things out loud that you want, and you'll see if you know God provides, the universe provides. I want to bring the LARPers back. Yes. <laughs> the LARPers will be recurring guest stars in season two, if not series regulars. Jake, I have a question for you. Yes. Being an MCU fan, how do you think, because we, I mean, I think it's like, uns like unspoken knowledge that we know Kate Bishop is going to come back. Right. Mm -hmm. How do you think she's going to come back? Ooh. Oh, um, what I, hmm. Okay, so I think that the way it's going to happen is it will be in a movie that her return is not necessarily something that we anticipate. 
Mm. Um, I that's a really good question because I don't know what avenue they want to. I don't know what avenue they want to go with it because so much is going on right now. I mean, everything <laughs> happening in the MCU is so crazy right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fallout from from various things like Loki, Spider Man, um, the the this new Doctor Strange looks wild. Yeah. Uh, uh, the what if series. Bizarre. Um, and, and so I'm hoping that it's sooner rather than later. And I'm hoping that it's in a really, really epic moment where uh, her appearance is like really desperately needed and welcome. If that answers the question, even though I didn't get specific. Okay. Okay. No, that, yeah, that's a totally valid answer. Um, I, I'm going to take a guess. It's going to be an echo. Ooh. Yeah. That well that, that would all be depend on, all depends on how they take that series. If they take that series from a origin story, so we go backwards in time and learn a little bit more about how she you know climbed the ranks with the tracksuit mafia, um, then maybe less likely that we'll see Kate in that. But if they pick up at the her on the run from from obviously the kingpin syndicate whatever you want to call them um i i would be surprised if we don't see a team up or something of that type kind of like the anti-hero hero teaming up Mm. i mean just because of proximity you you know kingpin's gonna be in it you didn't see his death on screen yeah i I... kingpin kingpin's not dead you don't (laughs) yeah you don't bring in vincent d'onofrio to rekindle I'm super character. interested. I'm super interested in seeing how they bring Florence back. Um yes. because Yelena, I mean, was a great addition to Hawkeye and of course was great in Black Widow. Oh but gosh, I, I wonder amazing. what they're gonna do for her story because they've also very much set up uh Kate and Yelena being friends, if not frenemies, but like truthfully friends. Mm-hmm. So is it like they, you know, Kate needs help with something or Yelena needs help with something, or you know. Shit's hit the fan in New York, and they both show up right behind Peter Parker. Like, I'm, I'm very curious to see how it all goes down. I'm wondering if we gonna see a Young Avengers feature. I, I, I think so. I, I, and I wish Logan was here to talk about that specifically because he's mentioned that before mm. about how he thinks that a Young Avengers or some sort of new look at the Avengers is what's coming um, from a totally different perspective and angle. And I think we're both excited about the possibility of that. And I definitely think that um, Kate and Yelena will, would be great contributions to that. Um, that would I think be- that's a long ways off. Uh, yeah, I would think that's a couple years from now. I would, yeah, I would say, yeah. like, we may – I just have this weird feeling that we're probably going to see Kate in more of a TV role for a little while. Mm-hmm before we see her move into the, the movie sphere, just because there seems like there's just some huge things going on, like you just touched on with uh, with Spider-Man opening up the door and multiverse madness and the Loki, the thought of Loki. Um, and we know that Ant, the Ant-Man 3 coming out will be connected to all that, but like... Oh, yeah, I forgot about Ant-Man 3. That should be fun. I, I feel that we're, we're probably several years off from seeing that that come together, mm, um, that. but it will be exciting. I mean, like, 
Yeah, just from sheer volumes of content. Um, one thing that the MCU uh, does not, well, I don't know, maybe it is a problem for the creatives, but like I would say doesn't have a problem with is like there's endless stories to be told here. Um, and I guess that could be a question of, I'm sure there are people who uh, get paid a lot of money to take it very seriously about, okay, when do we introduce certain storylines? When do we bring in certain characters? How do we do this? Um, and pretty much at this point, they've earned my attention. So I'm just going to watch however they do it and <laughs> probably be excited however they choose to do it. Oh, totally. I think another thing just that, like, I don't know if we're actually the reason why I feel like it's years away is because we just witnessed 12 years of storytelling culminating mm -hmm. to, to what the Avengers was. Right. And then that the end of the Avengers as we know it. And I just feel like we're probably going to be in for a little run of non Avengers level storytelling. You know, mm -hmm. we, we might just see some other, other stuff coming before, we get back to that because i mean we're we're certainly getting mutants soon so like there's that's just the whole there's so much to do with the x-men and, and all all those characters that they choose to inevitably bring into the fold that yeah where do you think they're going with the multiverse because by the from what they introduced in loki and then what if and then spider-man I can't gauge whether or not they're going to show the fracturing and how that's a problem or if they're going to start living and showing each individual universe and what happens because the introduction of Jonathan Majors as the future King the Conqueror now makes me wonder if they are showing that he's King the Conqueror in a different universe from the one he's introduced in or how many versions of King the Conqueror are we going to be seeing and then does that bleed into the shows? Is that just the movies? What are your thoughts? Um, wow. Well, first off, what a contract Jonathan Majors signed because I mean, right, you can just die over and over and over again, <laughs> and come back in like a new iteration of himself in a new movie or show. So kudos to that dude. Um. <laughs> and I mean, I was definitely when I saw the end of Loki, and I sort of realized that Kang the Conqueror was what was being set up there. I got a little overexcited. Um, I was like talking about that nonstop for a few days <laughs> with everyone who would listen. Um, I think, I, I don't know. I don't, I just, the people that write this stuff are so great. And I, I don't know, but I'm sure I'm going to enjoy it. Now I will say this. I, I see rumors and stuff online and I always wonder like when you go and you read things online, sometimes people call things like 100% and then sometimes they're totally wrong. But the one that really uh, tripped me up this week or last week, whenever it was, is when the new Dr. Strange trailer came out and like Patrick Stewart, it, it, it definitely yes. Stewart, but there, which was just mind boggling because I love professor X and I love Patrick Stewart. But I, what, what do you, what do you all think about the, the rumor that we might see Tom Cruise as Tony Stark as a new Iron Man. I, I love doubt it. that heavily. Yeah. I feel I like that's it. dangerous territory for Marvel to step into. I, I won't say they won't, 
But I'm also super skeptical about all the rumors because there was a major hype rumor in WandaVision with um, Quicksilver. Yeah. And that was a complete dud. Like, he made an appearance and then that was it. So I'm like, oh, they could be like, they could do anything. You know, they like they have so many Easter eggs that are literally just that and will ever be that. Right. So I, I think it's dangerous territory. To I love it. New I don't think they're going to do it. I don't think they're going to do it because they're introducing Ironheart who's supposed right. to be even better than Shuri, and Shuri was supposed to be equivalent to Doctor Strange. Not Doctor Strange, um, to um, Iron start? Man. So I feel like they're pivoting from just straight-up replacements in some of these and just introducing all new characters to begin with. Mm. But I guess that's also the argument with like Black Panther. Are they going to retire T'Challa, or are they going to try to recast that as opposed I've to just handing over the mantle to Shuri, which is canon? I've heard so, some rumors on that. <laughs> So well, I, if you, about oh, that, you go. Oh, I was I was just gonna say I think, uh, to to briefly address the Tom Cruise thing, Logan and I are actually um, on different sides of this. Out of tempo, I agree with you. I don't think they're gonna do it, and I don't think I'm misquoting Logan here. I believe this is what he told me. He <laughs> thinks that they are gonna do it. Um, and and talking about the Black Panther in the casting situation, um, Logan is a is in favor of recasting T'Challa for, like, I think he said, like, a third Black Panther movie. I don't not, like Logan not anymore. Like an, not like an immediate <laughs> recasting. Tell Logan I said I don't like him anymore. We can't be friends. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm in, personally, I'm in favor of whatever option they want to do. Bring in characters I haven't seen, bring in different versions of the characters. Hey, what about, what about bringing in uh, an alternate universe Killmonger who is Black Panther? And like, I, I mean, I'll tell you, I, I mean, listen, you, you didn't technically see him die either. Let's just, right. <laughs> you didn't technically, technically. That's true. <laughs> right. And I, Tom, I would think, so here's the thing. We're, I believe that we're going to see a lot of iterations of characters from other from other multiverses in Doctor Strange too, and one mm. of them could end up being Tom Cruise as Tony Stark. Now, I don't know the long term ramifications of seeing some of those actors in those roles because it literally might just be a hey, Tom Cruise was Tony Stark for fifteen minutes mm. in this movie, and then we never ever see him again. Or it could be the the branch off of seeing a large, you know, maybe he's in more movies type of deal. Um, I for the Black Panther thing, I was bummed that uh, Michael B. Jordan was in that role because I'm such a huge Michael B. Jordan fan. Like I've been following him since The Wire. Like he's mm -hmm. in, and everything he does is gold. So like, I hope he comes back. I would. You know, I, I loved him as Killmonger. I, I, I thought he stole that, that movie for me like as a consumer. I was just blown away by what he was doing. And, and it's, it's just like stoic power that he brought to the role. Um, so I would love to see him come back and, I, and be a bigger part. I completely agree. I love Michael B. Jordan. And I will tell you, I, I don't know if, if any of you go back this far. But I personally have been a Michael B. Jordan fan since he was on the daytime soap opera All My Children. <laughs> he actually 
ironically like enough, Reggie, and he was awesome. He was cast to replace Chadwick Boseman, who walked away from the role because he felt like it was too much of a stereotype. Uh, I have never read that, but that is really oh, interesting. Shit. That's really yeah, seriously information. Small world. <laughs> mm. Um, and uh, I could definitely see that. I could definitely see where that character um could be looked at as too stereotypical for sure. I I remember watching that show a lot. Um, and I mean, gosh, that's been fifteen years ago, probably at least, maybe longer. I don't I don't probably know more than that. Uh, Time isn't real, Jake. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but um. Uh, so, and certainly, like, the other stuff he's done and um, the Rocky franchise are, like, my favorite movies, so I couldn't be happier about Creed. Creed's, like, the most awesome thing ever. So, Michael B. Jordan, I would definitely watch him do anything. There was some, there's some fan theories. So, in regards to, like, rumors and fan theories, there's fan theories that we see Black Panther in the trailer of Doctor Strange 2. Oh, Really? Yeah, because so in the sequence when we hear Patrick Stewart and he says maybe we should tell him the truth, that is leading a lot of people to believe that they are at the you know they're at the Illuminati castle or or whatever it may be called. <laughs> right. And depending on which iteration of the Illuminati, Black Panther is sits sits on that board, and so there's kind of like. Wait, I thought you were joking. Is there really a... I don't know this about Marvel. Is there really an, an offshoot where they acknowledge the Illuminati? Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, the, and yeah, the Illuminati is a part of it. Black Panther, they're all part of it. Wow. Blade at one, Blade at one point. Um, That's wild. So, like, there's been people that have been, like, pushing in on that special... Se- like, that specific sequence and, like, lightening it up as much as possible <laughs> to see, like, what is this character? Who is this? And there are two cuts of the sequence that they believe it possibly is Black Panther sitting down in the far right because of the um, the necklace, like, the, the oh, spikes yeah. around his... You can kind of see them... If, and it's a stretch because obviously someone's telling you this is what it is. And then there's another sequence of a man walking and it kind of looks like the outline of Blade with which with his sword sticking out type of deal. Um, and there's the chairs and there's the opening in the middle, which would be for Professor X, obviously would not need a chair type of deal. So we, we might be seeing that sooner than later. You know, I'm, I'm, that's what, two months from now? May is when it comes out? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And- and Blade was definitely, wasn't it? It was definitely Blade that was teased at the end of the Eternals, I believe. Um, yeah, yeah, the it was. Black Knight stuff. Um, and we we'll probably see him in. I bet I'll be surprised if we don't see Blade in um, Moon Knight. Oh, Moon Knight. Moon, that looks mm-hmm. awesome. I'm so yeah. excited to see Mahershala join oh. the MCU. Oh my gosh. That, oh yeah. I yeah. I hope I hope he he has a, a nice role in Moon Knight, and I uh, like him and Kit Harrington. I would love to show up gosh, at yeah. some capacity in the Moon Knight series. See, and that's my thing. Getting back to the Tom Cruise thing, I think there's some people who have a certain kind of star power and also a certain kind of respect as actors. And not to say that that's not what Tom Cruise has, but they can step right into the MCU and it doesn't feel weird at all. Like, who would have thought Sam Hayek would have been believable? Right. Or that you're going to see Angelina Jolie walk into it and it was going to feel reasonable. I think so often we watch Tom Cruise in movies being Tom Cruise that that would pull from 
the you know the the mystical magic of it being Marvel because you're watching it and you're already suspending disbelief, but then you're like, oh, but Tom Cruise is there. I don't well, know. I'll say so, Tom so Cruise I, is one of the reasons I, why I I'm an actor. So I'm a. I saw Mission Impossible in the movie theaters when I was a kid with my brother, and it was one of the coolest movies I ever saw. And uh, I, uh, from that point on, I want. I was like, I I want to do that one day, just because I, I was all the stuff he done. And he still wows me now with all this the stunts that he does on his own. I'm just kind of blown away. That's that's fair. That he just keeps raising the bar left and right. And I mean, he. I kind of like out of all the characters in the MCU, isn't that exactly the guy that you almost want to play? Another like a perfect a perfect version of Tony Stark. That's you know, like, actually fair. I think you just talked me out of my theory. Well, I, I you win. <laughs> I agree. I mean, I agree with both of you. I mean, I could see it. I could. I could definitely see it working. And I can also see what Out of Tempo says about where it's like, well, uh, it takes me out of it a little bit. But then again, he is a very good actor. Um, and I, a lot of people might just be really excited about it. So it might work really well. There was one thing I made a note while you, while you were talking that, um, you know, we're talking about dissecting these trailers and, and looking for tidbits and, and projecting into the future about what might happen. And this also ties in with the, the Eternals because of um, Kit Harrington, um, and also um, is it is it Richard Madden that played uh, Rob Stark in Game of Thrones? They were both yeah. they were both yeah. right. And this this ties in with what we're talking about in Game of Thrones. So it's like when you have a a, a big property, it must be the worst job ever to be the people who have to cut the trailers because you don't want to give away everything and no matter what you no matter what you do you can put like you can have actors come on to set at the wrong time to try to throw people off because there's always someone around who has like a telescope and they're like <laughs> on a mountain somewhere like where they got those shots of Kit Harrington, like where they're filming season six and they're like he's not supposed to be in season six and you know like who are these people who have like <laughs> telescopes and drones and they have all the editing software just so they can dissect trailers. And <laughs> wouldn't that be such a difficult job to be the person who's in charge of the promotional materials and not spoiling things? Oh yeah. Well, it's, like, it's like the walking dead at the end of the season when they introduced Negan and, uh, you know, they shot like everyone's death just so nobody would know who actually dies. Right. That's crazy. Yeah. That's another show right there. That's a prime example. They have hundreds of people that, I mean, I don't know if they still do. When I worked on the show uh, back in like season six, season seven, there are literally people that are, there are people outside of wherever the set is for Walking Dead on a daily basis waiting. Right. You yes. know, on some days it could be 25 people. Other days it could be 200 people just waiting to try to, to catch a glimpse. Here. Yep. So yeah. I have a funny story about that actually. Um, I, like, I was one of them. Well, well I, I, yes and no, because I, I was one of those people that um, was familiar with the Walking Dead comics before the show came on, but I had not read them. So when I saw that they did an adaptation, I'm like, okay, great. I'm going to watch the show. I really enjoyed it. So I went back and read the comics and I became a big fan that first like two, three, four years. I was a huge fan. And I saw where they were filming like, 
semi-close to where I lived. So I went out a few times to kind of see where they said some of the locations were and everything. And I, I had this moment of, I don't know, like introspection where um, for whatever reason I was in line, I think there were a bunch of people waiting, I guess, for the filming to wrap up and presumably like Andrew Lincoln and, and um, Stephen Yoon and a few other people were going to come out and sign autographs or they were gonna, hopefully people were going to get autographs or whatever. And I said to myself, if it were me, I would probably be really tired and then I would be really, really happy that there were people that were excited, but then my heart would sink and realize there was like three hours worth of people to interact with. So I kind of left and I never went back back and did that. And now that the show is winding down and you're seeing the reports of them tearing down the set pieces and they're moving on and stuff, there's the part of me that's like, man, I really did dig that show a lot and I never did meet anyone. But well, well, don't I you worry. They got three movies coming and uh, two more two more TV shows. So. Yeah, Fear's coming over to the east side now. Oh, is oh, it? They got, they got two new yeah. shows coming. They uh, got, wow. in addition to Fear and, and the Younger spinoff? Well, the, yeah, so the Younger spinoff was only a limited engagement. It was all, it, it was all shot in succession. It was three yeah, seasons. That, yeah, that, that mm-hmm. ended. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that was, that was always supposed to be that. Then there is a spinoff coming with... Uh, Carol and Daryl. Yeah. And there's mm-hmm. another show coming that's called. A, that's an animated. I don't remember. Show, like an animated anthology, isn't it? Um, Possibly. I, and then there's the movies. So. I I'm very excited about the the movies. I I love Andrew Lincoln, so I hope that that definitely happens. And I I actually liked Fear the Walking Dead a lot. The first. I love Fear the Walking the Dead. The first like four seasons, I watched it like faithfully and then for whatever reason it wasn't like a lack of interest for whatever reason i fell off and i'm like three seasons behind but um that that was a really good spinoff i thought that was a really well done uh and it, when they first announced it i didn't have an opinion at all so when i watched it i was really excited yeah i've, I've heard that's that's coming to atlanta to film that's that's exciting maybe maybe uh I could meet some of some of those actors at some point but Again, I, I just had that moment. It was it was weird. Like I was standing there and I'm like, if it were me and I came out, I would be excited about everyone being excited about the show, but I would also be really tired. And so I, I don't know, like I wrestled with it and I, I, would, I just went home. <laughs> so, yeah. Speaking of Fear the Walking Dead, I actually, as much as I was a big fan of The Walking Dead, Fear the Walking, I could not get through the first couple of episodes because I was so stressed out. Um, we And I don't know how many times we're gonna talk about zombies this week, guys, but that's my jam. So, you know, Rob and I were joking about being, okay, maybe not joking, but being doomsday preppers. And in the first couple of episodes of Fear the Walking Dead, they're like, oh, that's weird. People are dying and then getting back up. Anyway, do you guys wanna play Monopoly while we wait for dad to come back home? And I was just like, oh my God, what are you doing? <laughs> That I'm was so stressed out. And um, my my late father, uh, <laughs> God rest his soul, he was a. I, I got him into Walking Dead, and he was he was one of those people that the last like I want to say like two years of his life, three years of his life, he veered into hardcore doomsday prepping for some reason. 
Um, and it was so bizarre. <laughs> like he would Walking come, dead. <laughs> he would come home with these like tents that go on the back of trucks and these like portable toilet things. And he was like, he bought like a bunch of uh, uh, hunting equipment and knives and guns and things that like when I was a kid, he never bought or said anything about. <laughs> And he would always want me to talk to him about, like, he bought a generator, and we had, like, uh, the hurricane. Do you guys remember that, if you were around um, this area, like, a few years ago, when we had the the hurricane kind of came through, and um, we got some power outages and stuff like that. My dad was so excited about using his generator for the first time. (laughs) He figured out how to get it started. It was like, aha, and then the power came back. Like, <laughs> such is life. And uh, so he, um, he, he passed away without getting to make use of any of his doomsday equipment. But I have some of it in my closet. So if the zombies do attack, so I hope you save some of it. Uh, yeah, if the zombies do attack, um, you know, uh, we, we at least, uh, you know, have something. <laughs> to, to help make our- yeah, don't tell Rob your address. He'll murk you and yeah. then take your stuff. We actually, out of tempo, we did a whole episode about zombies um, a few months ago. And if we do another one, um, if, if you want to come talk to us about zombies, uh, you're, <laughs> you're more than welcome to. Only we if zombies. Rob comes with me. Oh, absolutely. You are, you are all welcome anytime. We have, I'm always um, down for a zombie talk. We, we never know, you know, honestly, we like to tell ourselves we have a, a plan at least for like a month in advance of what we would like to talk about on this podcast. And then I would say 90% of the time we forget after we make that plan that a movie we really, really wanted to watch uh, came out that week. And so then we had to scramble to fit in a, a movie review as well. So um, I think, so, so what, one, one of the questions and I'm not going to lie, like, the questions I did have written down, I literally flung them somewhere. Um, but, but I'm reading it from across the room, and it looks like one of the questions I had written down was, um, where do each of you specifically, if you had the power to determine what the next, um, the next time we see the LARPers, or the next time we see your characters would be what would you want it to be um you know would you want it to be in a in a season two or a different series or a movie um what would what would be your thought process behind that that's a good question hawkeye Um, season two for sure yeah i'm ready just because i mean we haven't been flushed out really i you know i think as characters i think uh it would be tough I mean, it would be cool to come back on a movie. Don't get me wrong. Uh, that was, I, would, I would, I would love to do that. But in regards, just as like a, to have some development, I think we would need to show back up in next season and then show how we can be helpful, a little bit more helpful than we were in in the first season, and and what we bring to the table, and maybe like if they stick with the with the to- the similar tone. Of, of what we did in season one and, and Kate's character and the relationship that she then grew with, you know, Yelena and her back and forth relationship with Clint. I think that that's something similar that we can kind of bring to the table yeah. in, in a second season and 
we can kind of step in in that buddy role and you know that would that would be where that's my vote yeah i, I wouldn't really care where i came back i just want to come back <laughs> i mean for me i feel like it would make a lot of sense if it was in some facet under the young avengers you have like all these upcoming new young superheroes you know a lot for like kind of aiming at this gen z crowd a little bit and uh they're, they're gonna need costumes you know and that's that's what missy can do <laughs> so it would make total sense to me if that's how she would be like brought back because apart from you know the other three have backstories already there's there is content to pull from them maybe they make you know or maybe they're just easter eggs um but the only thing missy's really got going for her is like she makes costumes um so that would make the most sense to me but as far as like where i'd want to be brought back i don't care i just would love to come back because it's so much it's so much fun actually i, I agree with both of them and i think it's going to be very much that i would love it if we're introduced and um not introduced but expanded upon expounded upon season two and that folds into movies because we're first responders in new york and like half of the people live in new york so like if dr strange is like ah, i need help and where are the can we get the larpers in here to like help with the you know peter parker can we get the larpers in here i have a friend in the nypd or in the fire department that can help us like i'm happy to keep doing that same just like rob said like that buddy cop role because we are in such a specific position where we really could pop up in so many of the projects just because of the proximity. That would be that would be really cool. And I I think if I had to guess, I would say they will definitely utilize you all again and it would be something like that. I I think out of tempo, I may have shared this with you last time. I think it would be kind of cool if you all somehow were in a second season of what if and you got to like voice over your characters yeah and like some kind of like really out there situation um that would be worthy avengers. <laughs> well, yeah. worthy avengers and then it sort of plays out the opposite where the um you know you have kate and you have hawkeye and but they're like helping they're us the normal people yeah <laughs> <laughs> that would be I all i know it. is i hope i meet my end doing something great making sure some some hero gets out of a situation that's that's ultimately where i want orville's trajectory to be that would make me cry if you were the I sacrifice no aliens I... coming down and i need to I, I i hold this hallway for you guys you guys all get out of there that's, that's i that i would, would cry for orville no. i would cry in that one don't you worry. i'll take down all the aliens though I'll keep living and filming, but I will weep for her. <laughs> <laughs> if your characters do meet uh, a violent end, I, I certainly hope you get heroic moments to go out on. I would be sad if um, if it was like, you know, if I would be sad if it was not, if that was not the case. If it was, if it was off screen where someone ran up like the LARPers all got blown up, I would be like, what? <laughs> the LARPers got blown up. What? Back there, you didn't see it. Uh, a friend of mine, well, a friend of mine, it was Logan. Logan, I wish he was here to tell this story. Logan played uh, Giles Corey in The Crucible one time, and the mm. whatever reason, the director uh, cut the death scene. Like, so it was like he died off stage, and I'm like, what? What? Give me my death! <laughs> and I'm sitting there, like, watching this, going, wait a minute, he was supposed to, what? Uh, so... 
But that happens. I know I had a friend who's an Atlanta actor who got killed off of The Walking Dead. He was like a one of the people who lived in that um, gated community. Mm-hmm. And they never aired his death. So his agent lobbied to get him to come back and they brought him back for more episodes too, like with a speaking role. Cause they never showed him dying. So like, you know, it's, it might not be the end. Yeah, I, I would definitely, that's actually really interesting. Um, I've never, of course, I guess not, not doing this work myself and seeing it, I would have never thought about that. But I imagine that there are people who, who have like these whole scenes that get cut and it changes the story because the scene's not there, so they could come back, and that that's interesting. Oh yeah, well, Hawkeye. I don't. Did you know that there was? Um, her dad had a mm-hmm. role. Whoa, 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 whoa! That they cut. Whoa. They haven't talked about that. I don't know, but. I mean, I've I seen would... articles about stuff and pontificating about things, and it was like correct up to a point, but I know what I was standing there and what they were filming. Um, but I would, I think I'm with Rob on this, if they allowed me to confirm <laughs> nor deny um, any extracurricular information that we may or may not have. Oh, God. Yeah, well, for you there. Yeah, I, um, I, don't, I, I don't want like, you know, agents of Kevin Feige to come into your home to check <laughs> And, we'll say and, this: characters get cut from TV shows all the time. <laughs> yes, um, and that that makes that does make sense. Um, yeah, <laughs> just now I have this image. I, I have long thought that um, that Kevin Feige sends out agents to to sort of silence people if uh, <laughs> if the spoilers are. Oh, no, but they actually do. That's not even yeah. like a joking thing. I remember, I mean, I think everybody in Atlanta has heard the story of the girl who was at Pinewood and like took a picture, very innocuous, wasn't showing anything, but because the timestamp and the location said Pinewood, somebody knocked on her trailer because she had posted it while she was in her trailer. Still there the same day, made her take it down. Wow. I, mean, I know I- people that got fired off Walking Dead for posting. They actually, they didn't post. They told their friend that they were working on The Walking Dead. Their friend posted on Twitter. Wow. Good. I believe at Andrew, at Andrew Lincoln was like, hey, my buddy's shooting with you today. Ooh. And Yikes. Saw the, the, the social team saw it and went and they got removed. They got, they got fired from set because of their friend tweeting about it the day that you don't you don't talk about stuff when it's in production especially yeah but i was shocked so twitter was leaking a bunch of the deleted scenes before the deleted scenes were out i was surprised by that as well and i was shocked that they didn't shut that down quicker because i was like y'all don't y'all don't see this like all of these scenes are floating around twitter right now and they haven't been released on disney plus and i don't know how twitter got them yeah i it's like you start thinking about how those things get leaked out. It's like mm, that's some problematic people afoot. Um, I well, I will. I will say this. I know. Um, I believe you all are on a time on 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 a time schedule. Um, and I, the way the way that I'm recording this app, it arbitrarily cuts off at sixty minutes, and then we all have to reconnect. But um, I, I think Auto Tempo said that you all had an hour. So if that is the case. Uh, we're coming up here on our final few minutes together. Um, 
so I just wanted to. Yeah, I gotta jump off in like a minute. I got a, I got class in yeah. well, a half hour. So. I, I so appreciate you all, um, and I know Logan does as well. And um, I wish you all great success. I super super uh, like excited about um, the prospect of your characters returning in the MCU. And thank you so much for taking time to, to speak with us on the podcast. And and you're always welcome back. You're welcome back. If you'd like to promote something else you're working on, uh, just get in touch with us. We're Logan and Jake Take on Facebook. We're on Instagram and Twitter. Um, we're, we're all over the place. So if you would ever like to come on and talk about anything you're working on, or if you just want to come on and talk about nerdy stuff, you're, you're all welcome. Thank well, you. I appreciate yeah, that sounds yeah. awesome. Um, I appreciate you having us on. This was a, a lot of fun. We, yeah. You know, I speak for all of us. We appreciate all the fans. We appreciate all the love that was coming our way during the series each week and, you know, people, you know, messaging us and, and created their own little like pictures of, of us. It was, it was certainly heartwarming and uh, being such a diehard fan of Marvel and being part of that fanhood myself, it was, it was cool to have that energy thrown our way. So hopefully uh, whoever's listening enjoyed, enjoyed us talking about it a little bit. Yep, absolutely. And you know, we're, we're, um, Logan and I, our dream is this, is this podcasting game. And so, you know, getting, getting to talk to people that are actually doing cool things um, and are relevant things uh, that our listeners actually want to hear about. That's, that's really cool for us. So we, we really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Thanks. Yeah. I got to jump off now. Uh, so I can head the cat, head the class. Well, it was awesome. Awesome talking to you guys and uh, yeah. out of tempo and Adele, I will, I guess, talk with you tomorrow. Yes. <laughs> Thanks, Jake. <laughs> Thanks, Adele. Thanks, Rob. It's good talking to you guys. Bye bye. Thanks, everyone. Yeah. Bye. 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 Take care, guys. Thank you, Out of Tempo. Oh, I'm still here. Yeah. No problem. Thanks so much for having us, man. It was great. Take it easy. Yeah, great talking to you as always. Yeah. Uh, and the, go oh, ahead. <laughs> you I go. Gonna, I was just gonna say the episode uh, will be up probably Thursday. Since Logan had to run out, um, we're gonna we're gonna review Uncharted also for our for this podcast. So mm-hmm. like um, Thursday, I'll send you a link when it goes live. Okay. Cool. Thank you so much again for having us. I'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. Take care. Bye. You too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, welcome back, friends. I hope you enjoyed our previous segment. Uh, Thank you once again to Out of Tempo and Adele and Rob. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Um, That was such an awesome, awesome, awesome thing um, that, to be able to uh, talk to everyone about Hawkeye and about the MCU and um, look forward to maybe getting a chance to do that again sometime. So, uh, Honestly, just listening to them talk was amazing. I, I was so enraptured that I didn't say a single thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Logan and I uh, did watch a feature film at the movie theater this week. We did. Um, it was... We got back to basics, as they say. It was Ruben Fleischer's 
long gestating film adaptation of Uncharted. Uncharted. Um, for those of you, and of course, Ruben Fleischer was not the first director attached to this. This has gone through development hell for a while. But uh, those of you who are not sure, the director of Uncharted uh, is best known for Zombieland and its sequel, Gangster Squad, and 2018's Venom. Um, Uncharted. Two of those are good. I never saw Gangster Squad. So. <laughs> The film stars Tom Holland as Nathan Drake and Mark Wahlberg as his mentor, Victor Sullivan. And, uh... Which is... It, I'm gonna go ahead and jump the gun. I really liked this movie. It was hilarious seeing Mark Wahlberg as Sully. Because back in, like, 2000 and... Okay, so the, the first video game came out, and I want to say 2007. Yeah, I did not ago. play it until... I was a freshman in college, and the first time I played it, I loved it, I needed more of it, it it's such a good game, but there had been rumblings about a, a, a movie version of it for, I want to say, as like early as 2008, 2009, and Mark Wahlberg <laughs> was the front runner to play Nathan Drake, and I, I could be wrong, but I, I want to say that the person they had in mind to play Sully was like a... Robert De Niro or something like that which would have been a completely different movie back then but it's it it's hilarious that this movie took so long to make because Mark Wahlberg aged out of the role of Nathan Drake and instead of just getting someone else to play Sully they're just like let's just get Mark Wahlberg I mean he's been attached to this longer than anybody else it would be weird for him to not be in the movie at this point yeah and the the movie um it also stars Good old pissing boots himself. Pissing boots himself, <laughs> Antonio Banderas. Antonio Banderas. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, as the villain, um, and on a budget of ninety to one hundred and twelve or twenty million. How we looking? Uh, it has so far grossed one hundred forty-five point nine. I want million. my sequel. Um. So, uh, as of right now, uh, we do know that the ending of the film leaves open a number of possible adventures. We have our thoughts on where it might be going. Um, the director has expressed interest in a sequel. And um, following the film's opening weekend box office results, apparently Tom Rothman, who's the chairman of Sony Pictures... Uh, described Uncharted as "quote unquote" a new hit movie franchise for Sony, so it does look like we're probably going to get that sequel. Good. Um, I think it's got a lot of potential to be a really big franchise. You can you can make adaptations of the games into different movies. You can create different adventures all together. Honestly, spinoffs, TV shows. Tom Holland's like what twenty five right now. Uh, he's got some staying power yeah, as that like, character. Tom, Tom Holland, I was about to say Tom Hardy, and that was the wrong Tom. But Although Tom Hardy would have been a good Sully as well. I wouldn't have been upset about that. I mean, yeah, it would have been a good choice. Um, but no, I think they, they played it smart by getting somebody as young as Tom Holland to star as Nathan Drake in this franchise. That way you can have them for at least another God willing, and the movies keep doing good, 10 to 15 years. 
in the uh, in the after credits clip, mm-hmm. that was Euron. I am the storm, brother. Yes, Gray it Joel. was. <laughs> yes, it was. And I'm glad mild, to see mild spoilers, but not about any plot points. You you see the actor that played Euron Greyjoy, Captain Hot Topic himself. I'm just glad he's still um, getting work after you know claiming to be the guy that killed Jamie fucking Lannister. When in reality, Jamie Lannister got killed by Daenerys Targaryen. Another reason I hate him. I got you. Like, no, you didn't. I'm I mean, yeah, the man did. that killed Jamie Lannister. Like, you no. You kill him. You're on. Some bricks killed him. It's very, it's very lackluster death. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop talking about him because I can, I can go down a rabbit hole. We're gonna do a whole, other, we're gonna do a whole other segment on Game of Thrones. He's more <laughs> impressive in the book. Um, you were not wrong. But no, uh, the the after credits clip, unless I'm just misremembering the entire first game, I want to say the after credits clip sets up the events of the very first Uncharted game because there's a there's a German U-boat and stuff like that. But what what, what were your thoughts on that? Uh, so okay, so I do have to issue a disclaimer here at the top. We saw the movie kind of late on. Um, I think it was Sunday evening. Yes. It had been a long weekend. You know, my mom had been in the hospital. Lots of stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw the movie. It was a, It was like 7, 7.30. Um, I was very tired when I sat down in the theater to watch it. And so despite it being a loud action movie... I found myself fighting to stay awake in several sequences. I looked over a couple times and I was like, it is not the fault of the movie because the movie's not boring. But I have to say, in several key sequences, I did miss a bit of it because I was fighting to stay awake. So what you're saying is you um, want to watch it again? I will eventually watch this one again, yes. Um, what I'll say is this. What I did manage to watch was fine. Mm-hmm. It looked fun. Tom Holland and um, Wahlberg, Marky Mark, are good. Uh, uh, they bounce off of each other well. Yeah. Um, it was, like I told you at the time, it did feel very generic, um, like we've seen all of this before. Mm-hmm. It did have... And this is right, wrong, or indifferent. This has to do with my personal taste. It had a little... In the action-adventure blend, it had a little too much action, not quite enough adventure uh, to be among my favorite types of movies of this genre. Mm -hmm. However, I think some of that is just because this movie was so clearly establishing the franchise and establishing the characters... And I told you when we left the theater, I look for good things from this franchise, and I look for a sequel to be a better movie, and I expect to one day look back on this movie a little bit fonder, because I think the franchise has a lot of potential. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's a bad movie. I think most people that go to see the movie will like it. I don't know how diehard fans of the game series will be. I only played the first game. Um, I don't know how diehard fans will be because, from what I understand, they took elements of the fourth game. I'll get into that in a second. And, like, so I, I don't know. I'm not a purist type of person, so mm-hmm. that didn't bother me that 
whatever. I agree with you. I think that they're probably trying to set up the first game. That was what I got from the yeah. the end of the movie. Um, or the end credit clips, rather. Overall, I would say it is it was it's a fun movie. Mm-hmm. I I wouldn't say I loved it. I wouldn't say that I disliked it. I would say it's a generic fun movie. I would rank it like slight for me slightly less enjoyable than the 2018 2017 2018 Tomb Raider reboot but I really enjoyed the Tomb Raider reboot, so saying slightly less enjoyable is not a knock on the movie. Mm-hmm. That's how I felt about okay, it. So I've actually got some comparisons I want to make between this movie and the newest Tomb Raider, which, man, I'd really love a sequel to that one. Um, first off, I am a huge fan of the video game franchise. Going into the, going into this movie, there were some questions I had uh based off things I had seen in the trailer, mainly Sully mentioning Nate's brother, Sam. Uh, Anybody that's played the games knows that Sully had no idea that Nate even had a brother, or if he did, he didn't know know him personally. Um, So this movie did a slight tweak where it was like, yeah, uh, Nathan, I'm not Nathan, Sully and Sam uh, work together to try to find the goal that they're looking for in this movie. I was like, okay, that's that's weird, that's fine, it's whatever. Um, I do... I thought it was weird at first, but I do like the fact that they took a lot of Nate's backstory that you find out in the events of the fourth game and basically made that like an early first couple of scenes in this movie. And from what I remember of the game itself and this movie, they pretty much adapted that straight from the video game. It's pretty much exactly what you see. Uh, It... Tom Holland's Nathan Drake was a little weird at first because he's not the Nathan Drake I, like, you know. Mainly because when you meet Nate in the first game, Uncharted... What was that first game? There's so many subtitles in all of these. Oh yeah, Uncharted Drake's Fortune. He's a fully developed Nathan Drake. Uh, he's the he's the treasure hunter. He's, he's that dude. But it was nice watching Tom Holland go from an early prototype of who the character could be, and by the end of this movie, he is as much like Nathan Drake from the first video game as you can get without him actually just being Nathan Drake, so I like that nice progression. Um, I found myself, while watching the movie, going, when's he gonna get the, just the, you know, Nathan Drake costume, which... I don't want to say, like, superhero suit, because he's not a superhero, but, like, Nathan Drake has a very distinct wardrobe. You know, yeah, like, it's very it, specific. Like, you know how, like, Laura Croft has the right. shorts and the, and the it's shirt? It's very specific. Indiana Jones has the, the jacket and the hat and the whip. Nathan Look, Drake yeah. has the, like, cargo pants, white shirt, and gun holster. And honestly, kind of like how they did Doctor Strange's outfit in the first Doctor Strange movie, where if you notice, he's slowly getting like different outfits, and it eventually becomes the outfit that he wears as Doctor Strange. And by the time that the cloak of levitation wraps around him, he's full blown Doctor Strange. Right. Um. In this one, 
he's he's got different outfits and by the time you get to the third act of the movie he's got everything except the gun holster which I feel like personally for me that's that's like the coolest part of the outfit and I was I was confused because I was like okay anybody that's played the Uncharted video games a huge <clears throat> excuse me a huge part of those games is like you, you get caught in various gunfights and stuff and Nate doesn't use a gun for about a good 99% of the movie and then when he finally does it's right after he puts on the gun holster he grabs the gun and I was like oh, okay there he is he's now Nathan Drake so it was fun anticipating when that was going to happen and when it finally did I was like yes uh, another thing I like about this movie they introduce some other characters uh, Chloe I forget I think it's Chloe Foster uh, they introduce Chloe who is a character that pops up in the second video game, who, it's alluded, has a very tense and problematic but flirty relationship with Nate. So it was it was fun seeing a version of that play out in this movie. I look forward to her coming back in, like, any sequels. Uh, personally, I prefer Chloe over his main love interest in the games, Elena, but that's mainly just because Elena comes off as really annoying sometimes, and she's not... Elena's not used to the life that Nathan Drake lives. So she comes off as whiny sometimes. Whereas Chloe, she's about that life. But no, uh, fun movie. Uh, Antonio Banderas is not... He, he's the bad guy, but then he gets double-crossed, and it's kind of funny. No. And then the actual bad guy is... I don't remember her name, but it's... It, anybody who's watched The Chilling of Adventures of Sabrina, she's the main weird sister girl. So, yeah. But no, all in all, I enjoyed the movie. I gave it an 8 out of 10. Same rating I gave um, Death on the Nile. I enjoyed both of them. So, and I look forward to watching this movie again. I might go back and watch it in a couple of days if it's still in theaters, which I don't doubt that it will be. And I really want to watch it again. Um,. Whenever the second movie is about to come out, just so I can rewatch that and then just go into the second movie, especially if the second movie is the video game. Um, while you were talking, I did look up Tomb Raider to see what the status was of a potential sequel to the 2018 Tomb Raider reboot. Um, on May 14th of 2021, Misha Green, who, uh, for those of you who don't know, developed Lovecraft Country for HBO. Did you, did you uh, watch Lovecraft Country? Uh, part of it. I didn't, I didn't finish it. Um, Misha Green confirmed via her official Twitter account that she has written a first draft of the script with the working title Tomb Raider Obsidian, and that it's completed. Uh, on July 20th of 2021, Alicia Vikander told Collider that the sequel is still happening, but has not officially been greenlit yet. So, uh, I think they were waiting for the pandemic to kind of clear up, and the studio was kind of waiting to see what what the status of things would be this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard more recently, uh, I'm pretty sure, unless I'm going crazy, I'm pretty sure Alicia Vikander said a couple of weeks ago that they were ramping up pretty quickly now to start filming that. Awesome. So, um, oh, that was the, I remember the comparison I was going to make between the two. Uh, I love both of them. Tomb Raider and Uncharted are both basically the the children of Indiana Jones. Like, not really, yes, but yes. like, you don't get either of these games without and eventually Indiana these Jones. movies without the popularity of Indiana Jones. Um, 
But personally, I like Uncharted the games more. Yes. But I will say that the villain in Tomb Raider, what is it, 2018? Mm-hmm. The villain in Tomb Raider 2018 is a more interesting villain, mainly because it's played by my boy Walton Goggins, who is great a phenomenal actor. Great in Righteous Gemstones. I've seen... Is he in season one? Yes. I think I've seen, like, one episode with him. Um, so, great like... The Shield. For me, comparing the two of them, the Tomb Raider reboot to Uncharted, like, I'd say... And again, I mean, I do want to watch the movie again when I'm completely wide awake and I don't miss bits and pieces. Mm -hmm. Um, I do think I enjoyed Tomb Raider more. I think in the the action-adventure balance, the Mm -hmm. Tomb Raider movie managed to have a little bit more adventure also. And that was really the only thing about uncharted that i wish for more of as i just wanted a little i love the last sequence with the pirate ships and the treasure and like awesome. i just wanted a little bit more a little more exploring yes. well and that, that's a very important part of the game of the like, game and right. i don't know i don't know how far you've gotten in the first game but like pretty close you, to the you end spend a little bit more time right. exploring stuff than you do actually fighting people. And, I mean, I get this is... They want this to be a big franchise, of course, and mm-hmm. so it's Tom Holland, and he's Spider-Man, and it's action, and it's Marky Mark, and that all makes sense. I just want them to find, and I think they will, mm-hmm. find that balance going forward. Yeah. Like, I think that um, there was a lot of pieces they were trying to juggle in this movie. They're trying to establish the characters. They want it to be dynamic, it was a very simple story. I almost would be willing to bet that if there are deleted scenes we get, like, on a Blu-ray or something, yeah. some of them are more character development or adventure beats as opposed to more action. The stakes in this movie are a lot lower than the stakes in Alicia McCander's two Raider. That's actually... I hadn't thought about that, but that's Because true. in yeah. that movie, it's like an evil corporation trying to find, like, this tomb or whatever. But inside of the tomb, there's a dangerous poison, and I want to say, like, Sparate Lady or something like that. You remember how I, uh, at the very, very end of that movie, I kind of looked at you and, uh, and was like, oh, so this was the origin story of Kraft Macaroni and Cheese. Yeah, and I remember that, and I was like, <laughs> Laura, Laura Kraft. I was like, no... And, uh, oh, no. oh my gosh, that was hilarious. Now, um, I will say that the stakes in the Uncharted games, with maybe the exception of the... I know for a fact in the fourth one, but I don't remember a lot about the third one. The stakes in the uh, first two Uncharted games, a lot bigger. Um, Actually, the first Uncharted game is a lot like the first two... Like, not first two Raider movie, but the Alicia McCander two Raider movie. There's a dangerous ancient poison and stuff and then in the second one uh you go to like a hidden tibetan civilization with like super strong magical tibetan monster things so have you wait have you played the new tomb raider games that the movie is loosely i played the first one um, I really would like to play that new series. It's really good. It it's looks really, really good. That new that new series, which is now I think three games so far, I think so, yeah. looks really incredible. And of course, I would like to go back and 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 play Uncharted two and three, and yeah. four. I would like to play the, the other Uncharted games. Oh, there's a there's a Uncharted spinoff also. 
Yes, it, I saw it, that. Uh, it's got Chloe and I want to say her name is Nadine, who you meet in the fourth game. I haven't played that one though, but from what I've heard, it's good. I I will say it's nice finally living in a time where video game movies are taken seriously and are good. Because we, uh, for a long time, we suffered through some really bad video game movies. Uh, let us never forget the Super Mario Brothers movie. I mean, it holds a special place in my heart, but it's a terrible movie. Uh, the first Mortal Kombat movie, good movie. The sequel, terrible. Uh, I know The Rock would like us to, but I will never forget Dune. But now, you know, we live in the... Oh, uh, it's newer, but the Assassin's Creed movie, terrible. Terrible movie. It's bad. And the worst part is that movie is canon to the video games. So I can't um, even pretend like it doesn't exist. If we're if I mean if we're just talking about video game adaptations, the new Resident of Evil Resident Good Resident movie. Evil we both like. So I was the ones that came before it. Yeah, bad. Bad. Did you see um Sonic the Hedgehog? Good. Yes. Can't did, wait for the sequel. Did you see where Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City is now out on Blu ray? Um, no, but I need to go buy it. I was, I was going to tell you, uh, and I just looked this up. Um, the film ended up grossing $41.8 million against a $25 million budget. So it made back its budget and then some. Here's the key. It was massively successful on Voodoo becoming the top-rented film during its first weekend. So it had a staying power on other platforms, which makes me think that, that that's something that the studio also looks at. Who uses Voodoo? I mean, apparently Voodoo out here, bro. I don't, who who I, using I, Voodoo? I, Have you used Voodoo? Maybe once ever. I don't think I've ever used Voodoo. I think I did. I think I did use Voodoo once. Okay, well. I don't actively use Voodoo. I don't remember why I used it, but I think I did. All right. If anybody like just randomly started listening to this one section of the podcast, they'd be like, "Why are they talking about practicing Voodoo?" Uh, I don't know. No, I What the? F- I don't know. Anywho, now all in all, though, I, I really enjoy this movie. Uh, so far, I want to <laughs> say all of the movies I've watched this year have been pretty good. Yes, Unless I'm forgetting something that was abysmal. Uh, so there are a few other things I would like to see. That movie, The Cursed. That I didn't really know was a thing until Corey pointed it out. Oh yeah, no, I'm skipping. Um, I'm skipping that one hard. Uh, this <laughs> Tuesday night, yes indeed, the IMAX fan experience. Logan and I are going to be partaking of Matt Reeves' The Batman. I really should have requested Wednesday off. Yeah. Um, oh well. I might be sick. <coughs> I actually think I. I actually think I am off the day after that because I think that that's one of the times I have to go back to the doctor for various follow-ups. Hmm. That might just randomly work out that way. All right. Nice. But, you yeah, know, I am looking forward to The Batman. Um, I was looking forward to Morbius, but that got pushed back to April. So After Batman, I think the only thing I'm looking forward to is Sonic the Hedgehog, Ambulance, and The Secrets of Dumbledore. Ooh, wait, no. Doctor Strange comes out in April also. When is Secrets of Dumbledore? Is that May? I think so. Yep. Excellent, excellent, excellent. 
Um, well, I think that was all I really had to say about Uncharted. I think we pretty well covered that territory. Um, trying to think of if there were any other topics that, uh... No, it comes out in April. Were there Secrets a- of Dumbledore comes out in April. Uh, 15th, to be exact. Cool. Were there any other things that we, uh had said we wanted to include in this week's episode or I don't think or anything so like I, if there were I don't remember them because my memory is terrible I, I was going to say uh, and Logan I'll tell you about this off air about who it was specifically um, but I did actually reach out to a few different people to gauge their interest in perhaps being guests in the future on the podcast okay. um, I have not received responses from everyone I did receive one response that was fairly enthusiastic. Um, <laughs> I really thought you were about to be like, I did receive one response, which was a enthusiastic hell no. Some of the people that I've reached out to, uh, it's it's very widespread stuff. So uh, I reached out to a lot of a lot of different people of varying levels of celebrity and non celebrity. We interviewing Drake. No response from Drake as okay. of yet. Um, Elon but, uh, Musk. I did can, actually. Can we snag ourselves? I did. I did. I did tweet Elon. He hasn't. He hasn't gotten me back yet. Um, He's busy, man. He I, I've. Man. I have reached out to numerous individuals that that you would have a hearty chuckle about <laughs> if you knew who they were and you knew that I sent them a message. But um, the cast of Stranger Things. They got um, a final season to promote. A non-celebrity who runs a podcast. Um sent me a message saying that he enjoyed our podcast and wouldn't mind coming to talk to us sometime. <laughs> um, so, uh, but but I want to keep all that under wraps. I'm hoping that some of the vaguely celebrity or celebrity adjacent people I've reached out to mm-hmm. might respond. So, it's, I mean, I didn't message Tom Cruise's agent or anything like that, but like there are people who are adjacent to celebrities that might possibly respond because they've hey. responded to me in other situations. Hey, they might do it. Okay, so... I um, will tweet Tom Cruise. Yeah. I have no shame. Hashtag, are you Tony Stark? <laughs> all right. Um, righty. So, everyone, thanks for listening as always. Thank you to our guests for uh, coming and talking to us. And... We will be back next week with our coverage of the Batman. Logan, where can the people find us on the interwebs? You can find us on Facebook at the Logan and Jake Take official Facebook page. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, uh, at just the Logan and Jake Take, or type in L and J Pod. You can find us there. You can find us on every podcast listening service that there is at this point. We're on Apple iTunes. We're on Spotify. Podbreaker, Pocket Casts. We're everywhere. Literally, we are everywhere. And after that Super Bowl halftime show, you can find me in the club. (laughs) Why do you have to do these things? Why do you do that? Why do you do that? Bro, of all the things things you could have said, of all the ways you could have said them, you chose with you can find me in the club. No. Shut up. Shut up. Oh my god. As I was saying, we're everywhere. If you listen to this podcast in the club, we are indeed in the club. Um Oh my god, I can't even oh, think straight anymore. Uh 
leave a review on oh my god oh my god leave a review on Apple iTunes preferably five stars um, if you have anything negative to say leave it in leave it in the comment section but leave it with a five star review it doesn't hurt you to leave a five star review all you got to do is click them bad boys just click them five stars uh, you can find us you can email us at Jesus I'm waiting in the club. You can email us <laughs> at lnjpod at gmail.com That is the letter L as in Logan and J as in J I don't, I don't know why this is funny to me <laughs> pod P-O-D at gmail.com uh, As always, thank you all for listening. We appreciate it. Uh, we, we really do appreciate you humoring us and listening to us talk about all of this stuff every week. It means a lot. So with that being said, uh, good night, good morning. I don't know what time anybody's listening to this. Have a good day. Have a good night. Hug the people you love close. Uh, you know, just give a stranger a high five. Use some sanitizer after that. It's still a pandemic. Yeah. Go to the club. Go go to the club. Mm. Happy birthday to anybody who's listening, and it might be their birthday. Yes, happy birthday. Oh, and if you would like to support the podcast, uh, just click the link in the notes of the show, and it'll take you right to that. You can donate ninety nine cents, four ninety nine, or a whopping nine ninety nine. We appreciate all of it. Every donate whatever you feel like you won't miss. That's very true. Yeah. Like, if, you, if you're not going to miss $875, just go on and cash us up that. Cash app us that. You know what I mean? But if, you know, you're not, if you're not out here Elon Musking it, Elon, if you're listening, we'll take a fat check. Uh, or a Tesla. I will gladly take a Tesla. Uh, but no, seriously, everybody have a good evening. Have a good day. Take care of yourselves. I love you all. Bye-bye now.